Hey, it's me, Kelly Anakin. I'm talking about Showtime's hit series, Yellow Jackets, one episode at a time with some of the funniest people I know. Let's find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting eaten. Welcome to Blood Hive. Joining me today for our recap of the titular episode five, Blood Hive, we have two comedians who are actually Yellow Jackets watch buddies. My first guest is a comedian and street art tour guide in New Orleans, Louisiana, who's also written a bilingual children's book, Cave Olanola. It's Abby Isaacoff. Welcome to Blood Hive. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. So thrilled to have you here. And joining you is another New Orleans-based stand-up comedian who hosts the stand-up shows Comedy Beast and Greetings from Queer Mountain, as well as the podcast Near and Queer to My Heart. Everybody, it's Amanda G. Hey, everybody. Thank you for choosing us for this episode. I was so excited to find some folks who are watching this together because... My experience of watching Yellow Jackets has been pretty communal in that, like, I have my my crew that I'm talking through all my theories with and trying to figure this out. But you two are actually watching it in real time together. So I'd love to hear, you know, how did you two discover the show and when did you start watching it together? Well, Amanda started watching it first. Weren't you uh, super bored on vacation with your mother when you started watching it? Yeah, I went, um, I agreed to stay in a condo in Pensacola, Florida with my mom and my stepdad for a week. Um, and, and I left about four days in, but I was just <laughs> trying to watch TV to pass the time. And I and I put the first episode of Yellow Jackets on with my mom and she hated it. <laughs> and so I just started texting people immediately like, you, we need to watch the show together. And Abby mm-hmm. watched it right away Yeah, and was like, oh my God, when you get back every Sunday come to my house. We're doing a thing. And we have been. Yeah, I was just so I was desperate for a new show because I've been in sort of like a funk and like I'm a very TV type person. I love series like just like, you know, compulsive uh, watching. Right. And I hadn't had anything new in a while. I was just rewatching Mad Men over and over. And, you know, I mean, I can watch it a thousand times, but you need new material eventually. And I was just so thrilled. She said Yellow Jackets. And I crawled to the TV in a hopeless depression and I was awakened to the the majesty of truly good television once again. So thank you, Amanda. And Thank you, Yellow Jackets producers. You heard it here first, folks. Uh, Yellow Jackets is an effective antidepressant in a sample size of one. (laughs) Sure is. Yeah. 100%. Take that to your prescriber. (laughs) We're putting the doctors out of business. Yeah. (laughs) Ah, yes. Podcasts. Dismantling (laughs) the healthcare industrial complex since whatever year Joe Rogan came on the air. (laughs) So this is episode five. This is where by the time we get to the end of episode five, we're at exactly the halfway point in the series. And the episode description says out in the wilderness, the girls ride the crimson wave and plan a dark art slumber party. Natalie and Misty tame a stallion on Halloween night. Shauna parties like it's 1996. This is (laughs) one of the most 
kind of 90s nostalgia episode descriptions that they have. The Crimson Wave being a reference to Clueless, the movie that came out in 1995. Really? Uh-huh. Well, oh, that's where they uh, first started using that term for menstruation? I'm not sure if it's the first time, but... To me, like it was an iconic usage. So I'd have to kind of go back and see if there's a folk history of the phrase (laughs) crimson wave. Like first time I heard it. Terrible 90s slang has just been like infecting my brain to the point where like I don't even know what's ironic and what's like dated anymore. Like I was telling Amanda the other day, I started saying dope because I had been texting the word dope. And like it was stupid when I was texting it. It's even worse when I'm saying it and I can't stop. So like I, I have no recognition of like when slang terms emerged anymore do you feel like that is a side effect of yellow jackets your new ssri perhaps (laughs) yes they should say that very quickly at the end of the commercial Yellow Jackets has been known to increase incidences of 90s slang in yeah. written and verbal communication. Exactly. Yes. And definitely that music. I mean, I've like, it starts off with uh, Montel Jordan. This is how mm-hmm. we do it. And I'm like, I put that back on my Spotify. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Their series playlist is in heavy rotation for me. I just, I feel like I keep switching back between that and Peaky Blinders because, you know, I'm just like an optimist at heart. <laughs> So it's just like all Nick Cave, PJ Harvey, and then the occasional banger like Montel Jordan's This Is How We Do It. Yeah. (laughs) This episode, as all of them are, was co-written by Ashley Lyle and Bart Nickerson, as well as Ameni Rosa, who also has written for Scandal and The Sandman. And it looks like she's actually pretty early in her career. I'm really excited to see what she does next. I don't think The Sandman series is out yet, but it's also, you know, very 90s, very dark. And this is directed by Ava Sorhaug, who has already directed at least one episode of this season. We kick it off with This Is How We Do It. They're all doing a dance routine and calling out all of these 90s dance moves. And it really took me back to, you know, a middle school dance in the cafeteria of St. Clement Catholic School in St. Bernard, Ohio. How did it how did it hit you two? Well, uh, I was I was saying to Amanda, I just take issue with like the idea that all these girls across cliques, across different like groups socially would all know and be super enthused by Montel Jordan's This Is How We Do It. And not only that, but like the sound quality coming from that Walkman in a bucket. Like, I just, I don't buy it, okay? (laughs) It was just like, (laughs) I wanted to hear echoey, terrible music that like you can barely hear. Like it did wind down at the end, but I was still like, come on. And they all just like bust into dancing. Like, I don't know. I mean, I was a goth in the 90s. So like I did not enjoy music like that at the time. I didn't enjoy even like alternative music at the time. Like I thought I was too dark for that. You didn't enjoy anything at the time. That's true. I mean, fair. But like I I didn't like all this pop crap, but I do like some of it now, like, you know, retroactively. But I mean, I would have to say I'd be like, Natalie, I don't see Natalie getting down to Montel Jordan. That's all I have to say. Amanda? It reminded me of like a sleepover party. We used to, uh, and this is totally going to date me, but when uh, Britney Spears had her first album came out, it was a CD, but you could put it in your computer mm-hmm. and it would play the video. Oy. And so we could put it in the computer, play the video, and we would all try to, to dance just like Britney Spears, whether or not we were Britney Spears fans. Like like music brings you together and pop music, it's, it is infectious. It gets in your head and it's meant to do that. And so like it... I don't know. I, it had the opposite effect on me. Like I said, I added it to my Spotify. It makes me feel good to hear it. 
it reminds me of good times. I'll say for me, my assumption was that they had actually worked this out in the woods. <laughs> because I also, you know, like you see Laura Lee joining in and like Laura Lee is not into pop music. She's out here doing like Michael W. Smith and like praise and worship. Or Amy Grant. Yeah. So I, I felt like they were doing this, you know, they don't have any sources of entertainment, which is a lot of kind of the thrust of this episode is like, well, if you aren't getting off on all this back to the land bullshit, your options are super limited. But I do agree with you, Abby, about the the audio quality. It's something that I'm like willing to overlook. But I'm like, yeah, this definitely sounds like shit. And just like, do they have batteries? We also definitely like went back uh-huh. to see what device they were using. Because I don't know, my Walkman, you had to have headphones, like there was no way to project it. Yeah, mine um, too. We just trusted that this garbage can situation they had, that they somehow figured out something that I still haven't figured out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, again, I say on every episode, I'm like, uh, this show can do no wrong, even when it does wrong. I'm like, I don't care. This show is the only thing keeping me sane. So I'm not uh, I'm not, not using this as an antidepressant. Yeah. <laughs> Said the person who immediately started a podcast. So once the music fades out, there is a creaking noise from the attic. Everybody's arguing about whether or not there's a ghost up there. Is it haunted? We do get this detail from Nat that apparently that skeleton was missing his fingers, which I thought was interesting given that she just cut a finger off of a dead guy in the previous episode to get that ring off of Coach Martinez's hand. Mm -hmm. And Jackie and Thais are the most skeptical about there being a ghost. But Lottie seems really surprised that everybody else can hear this noise. Apparently she's been hearing some stuff. And finally, Coach shuts it down and he's like, hey, I think the ghost is saying we need to get some sleep. Let's do that. Yeah, rare instance of a coach like acting like an adult at all Mm -hmm. like with these girls i mean i've i've had issues with that myself tell me more about that well i just like early on he immediately was just like get the fuck away from me they're like misty and like just i mean you as like a person in authority you have to remember these are kids and like he would have to i just feel like he's acting like they're all equals to him like age wise and he he's not acting like he's in charge and like fair Mm. he has had an amputation like but (laughs) but still like to verbally command this group i mean he was in a role of power before yeah but so i was gonna say like so i played soccer in high school and my soccer coach was also our driver's ed coach and he also taught english and um you know it wasn't like a full-time uh a job for the for the coach so he, I, I don't know, like our coach didn't have a, a, you know, he was the coach and he, you know, came up with our lineup, but it's not like he had power over us. And I feel like a lot of times, especially my soccer team, I will admit, we definitely bullied our, our coach a little bit um, to end practices earlier to not have practices on weekends. And, and he gave in because he's just, he didn't care. You know, it wasn't like his dream job or his career to, to be the soccer coach. It was like one activity he had to do as part of his, his job. I call that feminism bullying your coach <laughs> on a girls soccer team amazing oh yeah we enjoyed it <laughs> i'm not gonna <laughs> i'm not gonna lie i was like it's it doesn't sound great i guess but like we got what we wanted you know yeah. and there's so many of them and there's just this one coach who you know i mean he's he can't really get around that much he seems like he backs down so i don't yes he's the adult there but other than that what gives him the power i think he's also their assistant coach and I don't think he's all that much older than them. I think at max, he's like 25. Um, I feel like in this episode, he is demonstrating a little bit more power than he has previously, probably because he's not in like 
brain searing pain Mm. but it is definitely interesting to watch him exert or not any influence that he has well another thing about the coach that's not connected to that at all is like how much hair gel did he bring i know he brought like four (laughs) thousand condoms because he was going to just like some sort of orgy but like he is fully gelled like fully styled Every single day in the woods. They all look very good in the woods. Um, I will also say somebody was talking about how Nat's hair, like the roots don't grow out. And having gone back and reviewed, I'm thinking Nat might actually be, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with Nat's hair. I think they wanted her to be originally have black hair. But now I'm like, did she dye her hair black because she's goth and somehow not get her roots when she went back to blonde? I don't know. No, because she has the black eyebrows. She has the black eyebrows. And there was one episode Mm -hmm. I did notice like in the middle, I think maybe even this one that like her roots were growing in a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like I have seen roots on Nat. I like made note of it, but I didn't think, I mean, like, like we said, Amanda and I watched the last two episodes last night and I don't think it's a huge spoiler to say like her roots weren't huge in those episodes like (laughs) it is in fact the thing people have been the most concerned about wow yeah well I also thought that like see for me I mentioned you know I love Mad Men I love period pieces like so much and I think like one of the greatest things about television these days is how accurate they try to be with like mm-hmm. putting you in that time period, like the clothes, the the set decoration, and the hairstyles too. And I I'm just not sure that people had that exact hairstyle in 1996. You know what I mean? That mm-hmm. Matt, like the bleached hair, yes, but like the bangs and then like the quasi mullet. I don't think a punk gothy girl would have had that hair in 96. Like that's more of like an outdated 80s biker look. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's modern to now, like emo or like whatever the kids call themselves that, you know, are freaky deekies. Like now they would have a hair style like that. But like back then, I call bullshit. One thing I think about hair in particular is that even in a period piece, there's something of the time period in which it's produced that winds up in there. Like kind of like the most classic example is Star Wars where it's like, okay, a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, why does everybody have contemporary 1970s hairstyles? Um, They obviously weren't making a huge effort there, but if you go back and watch a lot of like, I think like the Jane Austen period pieces and all these things, there's always these like little anachronisms that crop up. And I do think like Nat's hair is very like Joan Jett. It's not necessarily like a uh, bikini kill. Yeah. And like I was, I was saying like, I think they did a great job with Misty's hair in fashion because that places mm-hmm. her socially exactly where they're trying to place her story wise like the fact that she's wearing these like super like it looks funky to modernize she looks like a hipster that would like live in my neighborhood like right now you know (laughs) but in 1996 I remember as a teenager like seeing people out in 80s clothing like when I was out with like my other teenage friends and we would just be like oh my god look at them that is horrible like there was just that was like unforgivable to dress that way and like, you know, acid wash jeans and those like pastel sweatshirts and all that. And those even the glasses she's wearing, like I would wear those glasses now. But like in 1996, they would be like grandma glasses. It would just be like she would just be clearly branding herself nerd. So like I do think they 
get the wardrobe and hair right in a lot of ways, the only thing that sticks out for me is Nat's hair in 96. Well, I, I will make the argument of that, you know, Nat is like, she is poorer um, than, than Jack, like Jackie or Lottie are from like really rich families. And I feel like when you're poor and you have less access to resources, like your clothes, you know, might not be as trendy, like your hairstyle might not, you know, you might not have the, the ability that other girls have to, uh, to access these kinds of things. No, girl, but it's stylized. You have to go out of your way to have like a mental patient mullet, which is what she's got like semi going on. Like the, the Joan Jett, like graduated, like, you know, rocker mullet. Like that's not something that just happens. You go out and set about to do that, you know? Yeah. And as far as clothes, it's like, I got hand-me-downs from my older cousins. And so they weren't cool by the time I wore them, but that's what I had to wear. <laughs> her clothes are fine, but yeah, it's her. It's just the hair. <laughs> so speaking of Misty and unforgivable things that she does, the next morning she opens the door to Coach's room and sees his boner. And she walks toward it. The image that always springs to mind for me is uh, Sleeping Beauty in the Disney animated film walking toward the spindle <laughs> of the spinning wheel in a trance. <laughs> and... Coach wakes up right before she makes contact and very appropriately freaks out and tells her not to touch him. I feel like no matter what your uh, status as an authority figure is, like if somebody's trying to touch uh, your downstairs bits, you're gonna kind of freak out. Uh, like you're asleep, and it's just like, what are you? What are you trying to do to me when I'm unconscious? Yeah, and the look in Misty's eye. Oh man, hungry eyes. <laughs> 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 she feels the magic he is not feeling it no. <laughs> in the main room natalie kicks jackie to wake her up jackie is cold and she has cramps and apparently everybody does their periods have synced up which i think is an urban legend but i feel like the jury is still out like i feel like i read somewhere like that it doesn't actually happen like there's no biological basis for it have you two heard anything about this being real or not real i mean i can there's a lesbian who u-hauls every partner i have sure it is absolutely not true i wish okay. it were because that would be more convenient for my life um but it is not <laughs> really. I just think that you, your ex-girlfriends are all just like so forceful that their periods are like, I'm going to come when I want. And like, they're not singing <laughs> up with you because like in okay, my so experience, it has been true. Like, but you, it doesn't happen in one month because it's like a pheromone thing. Like, it seems like they've only been there a few weeks. Right. At this point, like this is their first period in the wilderness. Right. That is my interpretation. And I think, too, any times that I've been synced up with somebody else, again, it's not happening on that short of a timeline. It's like, oh, like theirs came a little earlier or mine came a little late over a period of a couple months. And then eventually we got there. Yeah. I do think it gets used a lot in media that focuses on people who menstruate, for sure, where it's just like, here is a thing that is vaguely creepy and kind of scientifically dubious. No, but I mean, there is some scientific basis to it. I mean, it's like the the pheromone that's causing you to all it's it's based on ovulation, not the mm -hmm. menstruation. So that's why it takes a few months because you have to like the environmental aspects, because there's also things in the environment that can make you ovulate sooner or later. And that's like if you're all hanging out together, if you're all eating the same diet, if you're all doing this. I I have four children and like things regarding like natural family planning and like conception and menstruation are kind of like an expert uh, zone for me. <laughs> I kind of know a lot about it. Ah, 
that's awesome. I, I'm just, I'm always very happy to hear people who actually do use natural family planning as somebody for whom hormonal birth control just messes me up. Yeah. Um. So usually I have to put up with a lot of comedians like talking about, oh, the rhythm method doesn't work. I'm like, well, yeah, the rhythm method doesn't work. You're not talking about like fertility awareness and that kind of thing. That is a separate podcast called Ovulation Hive. I will contact you <laughs> and we can record that in the future. Wait, the egg carton, right? I don't know. <laughs> Finally, you know, Jackie gets up and outside, everybody else is making themselves useful. Akila is supervising the fire and two bubbling pots. Laura Lee and Van are hanging laundry. Thaisa is chopping wood with an assist from Nat. Shauna's maintaining her knife, as you do. And then Akila is also making menstrual pads and says one of their pots is breakfast. The other one is for bloody soldiers. And she says that Travis got them mixed up, which I assumed was a joke. But I've seen a lot of people who think he really was eating uh, menstrual blood. I don't know. Do you have an opinion on this? Oh, I thought they were just trying to because Travis is so awkward. I yeah. just thought they're just trying to make him feel awkward at any opportunity. Um, I don't think he's like uh, I think he's figured out, you know. Yeah. I mean, I also feel like if one of the pots is clearly blood and pads, you're like, oh, that's probably not breakfast. Yeah. Well, if he did drink the menstrual blood, according to uh, witch lore and also my favorite movie midsummer i wonder whose menstrual blood he drank because he's probably <gasps> going to fall in love with them oh my god i mean natalie was menstruating right mm-hmm. Just, they're all menstruating you ring that it's rag into his mouth <laughs> <laughs> oh lordy mari shoves a bucket into jackie's hands and tells her to get more water and so i guess the kind of mari jackie friendship honeymoon is over mari was really into jackie when they were at the lake and it seems like jackie's uh, apparent inability to pitch in has really pissed her off i mean there's there's a vibe and jackie seems kind of oblivious to it well she's just so used to being the princess and being the unquestioned Mm -hmm. top alpha dog you know uh i i think this whole dynamic is really like communal living is not good for her jackie gets to the lake to fill up her bucket and spots lottie just standing in the middle of the lake in her very cute expensive looking pajamas and jackie wants to know if she's cold and lottie very creepily replies that she thought it would be warmer this this part just creeped me out so much there's a very creepy underwater pov shot that looks up at lottie you know we know that she's run out of her medication and it's just like okay this is not normal behavior yeah because she says that but she's still in the water so she's Mm -hmm. sitting there and jackie's just like hey isn't it cold in there oh i thought it'd be warmer and then she doesn't move Mm -hmm. and i'm just like oh man i don't i don't like any part of this Mm -mm. and jackie drops it like jackie's just like okay yeah because it's not about jackie like the temperature of the water it doesn't have anything to do with her and her whole little story so that's why she drops it She's like, I can't use my influence to get you out of the water, I guess. Yeah. So she comes back with the water and I can't tell if she's kind of putting on how winded she is, but like everybody's just like scoffing at her, which Shauna kind of clocks and she's like, hey, can I help you? And Jackie just starts shitting on her because that's her move. She's like, why are you so chipper? Don't you have cramps? And Shauna's period is late, which uh, Jackie responds to by saying, well, lucky you're a virgin or we'd really have to worry, which is totally a thing that my friends and I used to say if our periods were late in high school. And Shauna just like, I'm not sure if she's thought about this possibility before, but I feel like we see her face. It doesn't move, but it goes through to me a lot of emotions very quickly. I don't know. I feel like... (laughs) 
she she panics and just has the worst possible replies. Like, I know it's easy from the living room to say, oh, I would have thought of a better lie than that. But mm-hmm. I guess it's kind of like when it's your greatest fear, you tend to manifest it when you're thinking about it. Yeah. Well, and I think it's not completely illogical that a plane crash could delay your period after the first shutdowns for COVID in 2020. My period was super late. Um, and I wasn't seeing anybody who might have caused a delay. Mm. Um, so, I mean, it's definitely it's something I've experienced. And I definitely think you would cling to that because what, you know, you can't really get prenatal care in the woods. I was going to say, I think also she's secretly hoping that somehow she's not pregnant, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Like, what's her worst case scenario? Like, you're already in this plane crash in the middle of nowhere. And then to be, what, 16 and, and pregnant with your best friend's boyfriend's baby. I mean, so I think part of her is hoping like, maybe it is just like, maybe it is stress. Maybe, you know, there's all these other factors. Yeah. I think she knows by then that she's pregnant. Cause like just the move, if you were just hoping it was late, then you wouldn't go and do what she did next with the bucket of deer blood. Yeah. Well, I think that's when it hit her was like, but I think there's still like, she's still hoping, Hey, maybe it's not true. Well, and I think especially since Jackie's the one who brought it up in her mind, she's like, okay, like I just especially need to make Jackie think that I'm getting my period. Because if this stuff comes out, I mean, obviously, Shauna, at this point, we're like, oh, you're actually a very bad liar um, in most situations. (laughs) So she's like, okay, step one, pretend I'm bleeding. Steps two through ten, question mark? Exactly. In the kitchen in 2021, Shauna is texting her boy toy, Adam, uh, with whom she's apparently some kind of, you know, in a in a dom position with him. She talks about punishing him. I'm like, ah, go Shauna. Good for you. Uh, just like Amanda's soccer team. That's feminism. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly comes in and points out that Shauna has burnt the toast. And I'm like, there's already a stack of toast there. Oh, my God. The toast stack. Yeah, I made a note about that. That we had And I'm like, how, how did you then burn this toast? Like, you, there's a dial for that. Like, one of the easiest things to master. Yeah, like, you don't have to monitor the toast. Like, the fact you're not paying attention, it pops up, first of all. Second of all, like, why is it? Then in movies and TV, there's always just like a massive just tower of toast and like a mountain of eggs, like mm-hmm. uh, a swimming pool of orange juice. And it's a family of three. <laughs> yeah, we said this. We were we were we were watching it and, and Abby was eating a bowl of cereal. And I was like, that's what I had for breakfast every single day. And she's like, that's what I also have for dinner. <laughs> Definitely. I think, you know, I think a lot of people in Hollywood don't understand what normal people eat, frankly. Yeah. Because they know enough to make a joke about carbs. <laughs> but they're like, I don't know. Like, what do you have for breakfast if it's not like a cup of hot water with ginger and lemon? I'm so confused. Yeah, that's fair. So they go the complete opposite where they're just like, it must be a buffet. They live in New Jersey. They're just absolutely housing yeah. enough food for a family of 12. It's a, it's like a kitchen at Denny's every single morning for Shauna. Well, that brings up the other thing I wanted to mention about Shauna and like her home life. And I was saying this to Amanda, like, I I don't understand these shows as well, where they show women, like, I don't think they understand, like, what it is to be a stay-at-home mother. Because I was a stay-at-home mother for, like, 10 years when I was married and when my kids were real young. And it's like, at some point, the kid grows up enough that you would, even if you don't have, like, a full-time career, you have something outside of the home. I mean, it's not 1958, you know? It's the 2020s and like, I I just don't buy Shauna 
it seems like she has nothing outside of murdering rabbits. Like, what else does she do? Book club. <laughs> I don't think that her daughter requires, like, like at some point in middle school, she's just sitting there waiting to make another mountain of toast. Like, what is what is her life? What was her life leading up to this point? Like, between marrying Jeff and having the baby, and then the baby becomes, like, is in school. Now what? Like, what are you doing? I've interpreted some of that as just because we don't see really any of the adult surviving yellow jackets as having any friends, you know, outside of their partners, if they have a partner. True. And, you know, she's she's doing the garden like there's some things that she's doing, but I do think she's got this, you know, trauma response. She's not really sure what she knows what to do. You know, she's in yellow jacket. She can't have a yellow jackets to pull her out of this mindset. And I, you know, I agree. It may be something that comes and goes. So hopefully we'll get more information on that in the next season. You just see it a lot in like, I feel like that that's another thing with Hollywood writers, not really knowing what an average American's life is like these roles of it's like how every, in a lot of movies, it's like, what's, what's the guy or the main character or whatever, what's his profession. And it's like, He's an architect. Why? Because Hollywood writers know that's a job that people have that's professional and you go to an <laughs> office, you know, like I just I feel like they don't know they don't they're not in touch with reality is what I'm saying. Yeah. Memo to Hollywood writers. People absolutely need something to do to burn off all that breakfast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like why is there Peloton, right? I don't know. Because the daughter took zero toast. The the dad maybe took two. So there's like six slices left every single day. Yeah. No, she's eating, she's eating half a loaf of bread, <laughs> like just sitting there and buttering it and thinking about how many rabbits she's going to kill. Mm, almost, I don't know. That sounds kind of meditative to me. <laughs> yeah. So Kelly in, informs Shauna that she's taking an Uber to the city with her friends Cleo and Lynn. And Shauna's like, no, you're not doing that. And Kelly's like, oh, what am I supposed to do? Hang out with you in your 90s costume and hand out candy. And it turns out every year Shauna dresses up as Daria. So I was like, how dare you, Kelly? I know. I was very upset. I was like, this is amazing. I want to do that now. And I think we should all do that. Yeah. I also think this happened also in the pilot, though. Like, Shauna has such weird expectations that a girl in high school wants to hang out with her mom. Just, I mean, regardless of whether or not she wants her daughter to go into the city on Halloween, like, your daughter is not going to hang out with you and pass out candy. Like, she is, you know, probably 15 or 16. And Kelly's like, I'm not doing that. And Shauna's like, well, somebody has to do it because I'm going to book club. (laughs) And Jeff comes in and is like, don't be so hard on Callie. And Shauna's like, I'm not hard on her. You let her do whatever she wants. She's an asshole. They argue about this. She says something that echoes something Ty said in the previous episode. I don't understand why I'm the only one in this family who thinks that actions should have consequences. So this is the second time we're hearing an adult yellow jacket be like, when people do something wrong, they need to be punished. Jeff invites himself to book club. Which I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) And she's like, Jeff... You didn't read the book, which she makes up a title for The Girl in the Train Window, which is so like exactly reminiscent of all of these like airport books and like Gone Girl. Yeah, the girl on the train. Yeah. Amazing. So she's like, I'm only going to avoid side eye from the other moms. And it's the opposite of a sausage fest. He's like, it's a clam bake. And she's like, don't. Don't say that. I I love this exchange because I think you do get a sense like, okay, like they're having problems now, but they kind of have this banter and you're like, okay, like I can see how this 
is a relationship and maybe you both enjoyed that at some point yeah and jeff tries like uh, yeah you're like why would you even think about going to book club like that doesn't make any sense like the day of you're like i'm gonna go to this book club that you know like usually it's a month apart like book club meets like monthly because you need time to read the book and plan for it but he's trying he's trying to connect with her and this is the activity that she does so he's he does make that effort, but it's not, he doesn't think it through, which is Jeff. He knows so little about book clubs. Like, no book club meets this often. <laughs> no. I mean, unless you're reading pamphlets every week, you know. <laughs> Nat is in her motel room watching something about UFOs in Washington State, and she's just lounging in fishnets like everybody does. Hiked um, up to her nipples. I mean, her shirt oh is God. like pulled up, and it's like going all, is it a bodysuit? I think it goes up to her waist, but it just it it makes me so uncomfortable. And like Juliet Lewis is definitely she's got a much slimmer body type than me. But I'm like, this would be so uncomfortable for lounging purposes. Somebody buy this woman some sweatpants. Yeah. She gets a call from a uh, former goth current cop, Kevin Tan. Travis's talks report came back clean. She says she owes him one and Kevin does the thing every guy does, which is let's have a date because our relationship is transactional. And she's like, no, I'm getting another call. I love that. And she just hangs up on it. <laughs> I was like, okay, bye. Yeah. So she's like, I'll show you who's got a transactional relationship. Yeah. Feminism. <laughs> she she calls Misty, who is in her phone, as don't pick up. A detail I adore. Uh, I was going to say, yeah, because after that, um, there was some girl I was trying to avoid. And I put do not resuscitate. <laughs> <laughs> ah! I love that. That's great. I was, yeah, I was just like, I'm going to, I'm going to take a, a note from this. <laughs> <laughs> and Misty picks up and in her own version of do not pick up is like, who's this? When Nat immediately is like, who's this guy who can get into people's emails? And Misty's like waiting for an apology, but she breaks down and she's like, okay, like I'll help you out or reach out to this guy. And then these two girls <laughs> dressed as a mermaid and a doctor come into the patient's room. It is after all Halloween and they say trick or treat. She gives them their candy and then she switches off the power strip that all of her patients life support equipment is hooked up to <laughs> and she flatlines. <laughs> and so she's like saying doctor, doctor to the girl dressed as a doctor and the girls <laughs> just run screaming out the door. She's so bananas. Like we already knew how bananas she was, but I'm like, Oh my God, this is your idea of a good time. I, I love it though. Cause that's, that's Misty. Like she does not understand how that's going to scar that child for life. Like, she thought it was hilarious. And she would do it again. <laughs> I was trapped in the woods for 19 months, and I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. Back in 1996, Shauna is feeling her teeny tiny titties, which I'm assuming are kind of painful and maybe getting a little bit bigger. She looks very concerned. She sneaks over to where they are draining a deer and uh, dabs some blood on a pad. And then Thaisa kind of just bursts in, and it's it's definitely awkward. Because it's like she can tell something's up and Shauna's acting very suspicious. Yeah, again, I I mean, I get I was just trying to think of like, how else could that have gone? Like I, Thaisa immediately knows. It's like she immediately mm -hmm. knows that Shauna's knocked up. And I, I just feel like, is that how it would have happened? Would Shauna, if she was that paranoid and freaked out, wouldn't she have been like, oh, I'm just making sure it's draining. Like she doesn't. She doesn't try to cover her tracks, doesn't try to, like, explain what she's doing. Like, she just does it. I think she just she just is canonically a very bad liar. Yeah. And she really, you know, most of these characters don't have the critical thinking skills to varying degrees. 
Yeah. So it's interesting they're also focused on consequences when in reality they can't even conceive of the the consequences of their own actions. Mm-hmm. Back in 2021, Thaisa gets off the phone. Simone comes in and turns out she's trailing by 20 points in the suburbs. Um, I'm sure people who are actually politicians have a lot to say about this. I am not. Oh, well, a politician. Uh, we still have a lot to say and we don't know anything about politics. <laughs> I do know because my my ex-husband's uh my former father-in-law, my ex-husband's father was a politician in Oregon. He was the head of the Republican Party there. He was the candidate for governor in 2002, and he before all of that, he was a state senator. So I know about state senate races <laughs> and uh, let me tell you, there it's a there is no way you wouldn't have a TV commercial you wouldn't do any of this. And it's just like, really? I mean, you might as well be running for the PTA, basically. I think that <laughs> has more gravity than running for a state Senate seat. Uh, they're acting like she's uh, running for governor or attorney general or something. It's it's just nuts to me, like how intense and professional the whole campaign is. State Senate, that's where all like the lunatics come out. You know, the guy in the purple top hat and whatever. We live in Louisiana, so it's, it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare <laughs> oh, out yeah. here. There, actually, it was, a, it was a guy ran for mayor in a purple top hat, and his campaign ended when he was caught masturbating in a lift in California. That was a real New Orleans mayoral candidate a few years ago. Wow. Incredible. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> And it ended. That's it's fascinating to me because I'm from Cincinnati and while Cherry Springer was our mayor, he bounced a check to a prostitute. Yeah. And he did have to step down, but got you know, he then became a newscaster. People were like, We get it. We've all bounced a check to a prostitute. But <laughs> prostitute takes checks. Why would you take a check? <laughs> I, I honestly don't know. Like I to me, and I maybe there's actual information in, but like in my my imagination and it's just like oh like he was like you know here we've been doing this long enough like nobody's gonna catch us but it's just like don't just just cash only sir yeah. come on yeah well do you know where jerry springer went to college where did he go to college tulane university my alma mater oh! down here in new orleans that's correct he he spoke uh when i was a student here yeah I love this connection. And actually, you know, <laughs> I've been watching that Vice documentary about the 90s, which is not necessarily what I would call good or responsible journalism. But the first episode is about trash TV and Jerry Springer. Mm -hmm. And they frame it as sort of like the um, the eroding of civility in public discourse. And I think that's a really sure. interesting lens to watch Yellow Jackets through. They would all be aware of Jerry Springer and the kind of escalating. Well, yeah, they talk, they reference OJ later in this uh, mm -hmm. episode, which I thought was funny. I think it's interesting that if you potentially look at that as a theme here, whether it's intentional or not, it's like, oh, they start out kind of trying to maintain their connection to quote unquote everyday life. But, you know, it's already in them as we find out later in this episode. And it, you know, what is that? Jerry, <laughs> Jerry, Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> Taisa is talking about, you know, oh, why couldn't I just kiss Diane Raffleson's ass? And Simone says that, you know, oh, well, you've never been good at being anything other than yourself. And, you know, they start to make out and Biscuit then starts to bark. And Taisa looks out the window and sees a wolf. She does not interrogate this at all and just grabs a letter opener 
and hits the street. There's actually the symbol from the woods is spray painted on a pole that she's standing near. And there's no wolf, but she does find the word spill written in red paint on their door. And I think Tawny Cypress doesn't get as much praise for playing Thaisa as the other three adult yellow jackets. But I just, she looks to me so tired and worn down by this inaccurate political situation. And also just like her character is so logical and to see her processing these things coming in. I just, I feel like she does some really good, uh, what we've called on previous podcasts of mind face acting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She definitely speaks with her face and you could tell when she's upset and trying to hide it. And mm-hmm. um, you know, you can, you can tell her emotions very clearly from like just the the way she she maintains her face agreed back in 1996 uh jackie has decided the best use of her time is testing batteries it seems only for her walkman and she's you know basically just cursing out her walkman and shauna comes in and makes a big show of tossing a soiled pad into the pot and i'm like if you just found out you had your period why would you anyway you know as we've discussed <laughs> bad liar bad liar mm-hmm. and jackie says come find me when you're ready to shake misty down for motrin and i'm like oh my god can you imagine negotiating with misty i would never i would just suffer <laughs> like, ah. i don't want to owe misty anything ever taisa kind of takes all this in i do think we get a sense that taisa is just sort of like putting things together at this point even if she didn't clock it immediately i think you know she is very observant of Mm. shauna and her behavior Mm -hmm. everybody is still kind of just mocking jackie with their eyes and shauna makes her come with her to demo butchering a deer leg and finally it's just like you have to pitch in people are noticing that you're not doing anything and jackie says why am i the only one not getting off on this boring back to the land bullshit I don't think they're getting off on it. I think they want a distraction. Yeah. And they also know they have to survive. So I don't know. I I feel like this is like my mom's voice coming out of me. It's just like, I don't know who told her life was fair and that she was going to enjoy stuff all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I just think she could have found something like she she doesn't necessarily have to like be the like Natalie and Travis out there in the woods shooting animals, but she could have found something that she, her skill set fit, you know, that that she would find appropriate for her. But instead, she's, yeah, wasting batteries. It's like, y'all don't know how long you're going to be out here. And you're spending batteries on a Walkman that only you can listen to. It was like the most mm-hmm. selfish, messed up thing she could be doing in that moment. While everyone's clearly like planning meals and cleaning clothes and, and doing things that actually help everybody else. And given Amanda's relationship history, <laughs> that's when Amanda started getting really turned on. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Someone so I was like, that's my type of girl. <laughs> I was going to say, are you, uh, are you a Shauna and Jackie shipper, Amanda? Yeah, I mean, I uh, yeah, that would be my reality. I'd be like, but I'd be instead of Shauna saying like, "Hey, you need to step in." I'd be like, "Don't worry, I'll just work double. It's okay." Oh, honey, yeah, she totally would. <laughs> Yellow Jackets is healing in more ways than one here, folks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Shauna then gives her this pep talk, which I don't understand how it's relevant about someone named Kiffy Schumacher breaking her arm before they were going to go to some water park, and then Jackie like tricked her into sharing her Percocet. And Jackie's like, oh, are you giving me a pep talk? And like her response to Shauna giving her a pep talk is to continue shitting on Shauna, which is just 
most of their interactions and you know she's like oh you're usually better at you know judging people and you know cutting open a deer shauna tells her oh you know you're better at cheering people up despite her not cheering shauna up here and shauna says she learned how to be an influencer from jackie and i'm like oof, really not a great uh not a great source of that particular skill set in my opinion but she gives her back the gold heart necklace that we see in the uh pilot and was given to Shauna as a good luck charm from Jackie. So Shauna now feels like Jackie needs the good luck more than her. And then she tells Jackie that the team needs her and they hug. But based on Shauna's face, I'm like, I think you're realizing actually not only does the team not need her, you don't need her. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, you know, like Jackie's skill sets like don't, don't match with surviving in the woods. And mm-hmm. Shauna's seen that, like maybe surviving high school and making sure you don't get picked on and making sure you get invited to the parties and you're considered cool. Like hanging out with Jackie definitely got Shauna in probably a lot of places, but mm-hmm. now they're out in the woods and Jackie's just dead weight. Back at Thais's house, Sammy's just getting back from trick-or-treating. He's dressed as a sandwich and Biscuit is dressed as a hot dog. These women are not comedians. Uh, they're really going. <laughs> yeah. For the low-hanging fruit. And I feel like these are costumes that have been used multiple years in a row for some reason. I don't know why I think that. It's the worst. The sandwich is the worst costume. I mean, it mm-hmm. is absolutely the worst costume. Yeah. You imagine a kid walking around with that? Everyone else is dressed as Spider-Man in this comfortable outfit, and he's in this big, bulky sandwich that he can't move in. Amanda was very offended by that <laughs> last night. Admittedly, I once dressed as a laundry basket and I also once dressed as the night sky. So I am really not. Damn. Look, I Abstract. I was a weird kid and that's that's the shit I would do. I'm so upset by Sammy's Halloween candy. It's like all of this. Yes. <laughs> we were also very livid. That taffy. The peppermints. Who's, who's giving out the taffy and the peppermints? The peppermints are so bad. No one has ever considered that candy also, these, in the history. These women are so okay. affluent. Like, where are you trick-or-treating? Are you trying to, like, double up on talking to your constituents? This is all grandma's candy dish rejects. Yeah, I was like, so did, did he get all the peppermints at one house? Or did, like, ten houses give him one peppermint each? Like, it, it, <laughs> Yeah. Now that you mention it, they are in a nice neighborhood. There were no full-size bars. They're like half of the candy I would have just thrown away and been like, what yeah. a waste of my time. Well, just the, the taffy. Where are you getting the taffy? Did they go back in time to like the boardwalk in Atlantic City in the 20s? Like, what are they doing? <laughs> They're in Boardwalk Empire now. It's a crossover. <laughs> just for the candy. Thaisa takes Sammy's costume and puts it away, but she spots a can of red paint and a brush under his bed. Uh, what? Did this surprise yeah. either of you? The the paint and the brush under his bed? No, we we think he's creepy. <laughs> yeah, we were so creeped out by him. I was watching this with my best friend and he just kept screaming at the TV. He was like, "That kid is haunted. You need to return that kid." <laughs> yeah, he just like pops up. That's happened. This was in a previous episode, right? Where they're like talking and then like a door slides open and he's just lurking and they're like, "Oh." Like they're scared by him, too. Shauna and Adam arrive at some, like, Halloween party that's a rave or something. I'm really dating myself. I'm like, is this a rave? I don't know. Like, is this what parties are now? I am so boring. It's a foam party. It's a foam party. You didn't see the foam. Oh, my God. Shauna feels very insecure, and he says that she's the most beautiful woman there. Um, As a big Melanie Linsky fangirl, I agree. He says this is like every other weekend at Pratt. Truly surprised at his restraint. 
and not mentioning he went to Pratt until this point in the series. Yeah. I feel like people who go to Pratt always bring it up immediately. They put on these masks. She says she feels like she fell off a Fifty Shades of Grey bus tour and they take them off and they just grab some drinks. What do you two make of the the Shauna and Adam relationship at this point in the series? I was just, I was confused by everything because like she, I mean, especially in this, it's like she, she's awkward. She doesn't want to be there. He's like, hey, let's have some fun. Here's some masks if you feel uncomfortable. And then she puts it on and she's like, no, this isn't comfortable either. And it's like, you're at a party, you're hanging out. And like, she just has this awkward, weird vibe. And he's so about her. And I'm trying to figure out like what's going on. Yeah, that's where I was at as well just like why as shauna it like annoys me that shauna's not suspicious of him like what and is she just so desperate for like attention and fun and romance or whatever that she'll just overlook like the red flag of like why is this person so into me Mm -hmm. like what did i do that makes this person so into me i feel like she's old enough that she would have had situations in the past where people like feign interest because of her yellow jackets connection but i don't know are we allowed to bring up theories here absolutely bring up your theories okay this might have already been brought up in the uh in past episodes but probably it has uh you know my my son actually one of my kids my 14 year old son made this connection before i did uh i was watching an episode and he came in and like javi reminds me of my son so i was like wolfgang look (laughs) that's wolfgang that's the kid that reminds me of you. Mm-hmm. And then he was still in the room and Adam comes on the screen and he's like, is that adult Wolfgang? <gasps> and I was like, no. And then I was like, wait, yeah, what? <laughs> you know? So then I look it up and there's all these articles theorizing that. So I think by the time I watched Blood Hive, Wolfie had told me his theory inadvertently. And I was like, that's the only thing that makes this whole thing make sense is if he's hobby. I love this intergenerational sleuthing. This is really inspiring to yeah. me. <laughs> Did, had you already talked about that? We've talked a little bit about it. Um, yeah. And I think something that I want to touch on here is there's this sort of like metatextual conversation happening about, I guess, Melanie Linsky. She's very involved in like seeing what people think about the show. I'm not 100% sure where she's seeing this because honestly, I haven't encountered it. But I guess there's people kind of being like, why is Adam into Shauna? Because she like, quote unquote, looks like that. And I don't understand that reaction. I mean, especially like he's a younger guy. She's an older woman. This is like a dynamic that happens. It's a dynamic that's happened to me. And Melanie Lindsay's upset because she feels like people think it's unlikely that he would be attracted to her or like that all of the theories i think she's misinterpreting the theories that he has ulterior motives has to do with like some supposed mismatch in their attractiveness um which i i don't know i actually i don't agree with that like i definitely feel like he has ulterior motives but he can also be seriously into her like i don't know that they're necessarily contradictory I'm not questioning that he would be into her at all. It's that he's so into her right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And when someone in as a woman who's had all heterosexual relationships, you know, with men, when a man is that interested in you right off the bat, it's a red flag. Like what about you? Unless you're like a celebrity, unless they like know something about you that you know, is super special. Like to think that someone could be so, so into you off of nothing. Like she, he doesn't know her. So it would all be a physical 
thing basically because like what i mean amanda made the point like what interaction it takes him like two sentences and he's like flirting with her super hard when she's just like when they got in that accident she's just this bitchy mom in a van you know and she was like rude to him and not in like a not in any sort of like a dom sub sort of way like it was just what about me makes you so into me and continue to pursue me and continue popping up and showing up. It's the showing up too. Like, Oh, you're here. Oh, then we must have a drink. You know, Mm -hmm. like he's so into it. Like, I don't know. I just have never experienced a man acting like that without it being a red flag. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And so, you know, Melanie Linsky, if you're listening to this, you're beautiful. I don't think most people think that like, apparently like some, some member of the production was like, fat shaming her on set and oh shit uh christina ricci juliette lewis and tawny cypress all like had her back juliette lewis like wrote a letter to production and was just like somebody said this to melanie it was really fucked up um and it's like i understand i I just i don't know i feel for her so hard she's been an icon to me for such a long time yeah i mean the lesbian world we love her (laughs) yeah wait what was she was in that uh show that movie from the 90s where Kate Winslet beautiful creatures heavenly creatures heavenly creatures yeah heavenly creatures okay yeah heavenly creatures and then really my origin with her was ever after where she played you know the quote-unquote ugly stepsister and Mm. I just I loved her I had you know I've had like you know I'm a I'm a rounder person and seeing her in that movie i was like oh my god like she's gorgeous and it just i don't know i have i have a lot of complicated feelings i should probably just like write them down and then decide (laughs) to bring them to this podcast or not but no she is she is very beautiful and she's very talented and that is why she was chosen as essentially the lead of yellow jackets and exactly i'm I'm so glad that juliet and everyone stepped up for her because that's that's ridiculous who's she married to she's married to someone who was on always sunny in philadelphia i know that is it uh, cricket no, or she, is it uh, uh, she, one of the McCoyles? she's actually married to jason ritter um who is oh my god what the hell was his oh. dad's name he was on three's company um yeah really so that's her husband yeah did they get recently met i have i remember watching it's always sunny in philadelphia and i thought she was with someone on the cast like did she used to be married to jimmy simpson uh. let me look <laughs> this up on the internet <laughs> yeah Okay, yes. So she was with Jimmy Simpson from 2007 to 2014. Okay. Fascinating. Do they have any kids? Uh, I don't believe so. I don't think she had kids until she married Jason Ritter. Um, Okay. Wow. Okay. So I've just learned a lot. (laughs) Yeah. I always liked the McPoyles. I wanted to have a family like that. Uh, Without the, with a little less incest. Uh okay you know what we're gonna we're gonna you know what we'll we'll put that on the patreon so everybody stay tuned (laughs) (laughs) bonus episode (laughs) the real life mccoyles yeah um okay so back in 1996 travis is aiming the gun at i guess a bird or something and he and nat are having kind of a competition and nat's like oh you're too far behind to ever catch up and they have this kind of almost very cute banter if you kind of ignore the way he's behaved in every instance up until now he calls the cabin a blood hive uh a slur which we are reclaiming as the title of this very podcast Mm. and uh you know he's like oh you know 
your lady blood is scaring all the prey away. And she's like, shouldn't the smell of blood like attract animals? And so, you know, they kind of go back and forth. And then he finally hits a bird. And he's like, oh, what was that you said about never catching up? But based on the hash marks, like that's his first of the day. And she's got six. So yeah, I was like, she's still kicking yeah. his ass. Like, There's no question about that. Typical man being like, well, my one counts as like five of yours. <laughs> so yeah, I'm catching up. I'm like, you're catching up. You got one, dude. Amanda and I were talking last night about how great the show does with their depiction of an awkward teenage boy in Travis. Cause like so often, like the default for shows when it comes to teens is like everyone, I think it's like the Diablo Cody effect or something. Like all teens are just way too eloquent. Yes. Like they have like way too high of a vocabulary. They're way too confident with talking. And it's like even the nerdy ones, like every single teenager who is depicted on in the media now, like in fictional narratives, is this like eloquent, confident extrovert. And it's like, oh, I'm a nerd, blah, 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 blah. It's like, no, nerds and awkward kids act like Travis. Mm-hmm. They like barely can make eye contact. They like, you know, mumble stuff and just like walk away in like awkward shame and like they're hunched over. Like that is how people really are. Anything on that, Amanda? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree, you know, agree with that. And I think him having these moments one-on-one with Natalie has really helped him. Because he, I don't think he's ever been alone in a room with a girl his age. Mm. Yeah. Or in a space. They're not in a room. They're out in the woods. But, like, this is, like, the first probably one-on-one conversation he's had with, with a girl his age or a girl that he's attracted to. Um, and he slowly, like, com- comes out of his shell a little bit, you know? Back in the present, Misty arrives at Nat's motel with a gift. She brought her an aroma diffuser and she pronounces the Y in Lang Lang, which I love. It's right up there with saying coconut la croix. (laughs) And I just, I love how Misty, who has apparently never left their hometown, she really, I feel like, fancies herself a woman of the world. And uh, she says her contact... Her citizen detective contact is being a bit of a D-bag about hacking into Kevin's email because he didn't know he'd be stealing a police file. So he wants to meet them in public. And Nat is kind of like weirdly thrilled about that. You know, I think there's almost this like bloodlust getting awakened in her. You know, I don't know if it's a parallel back to her time hunting in the woods, but she's like, okay, like here is here's something where I can take action to get what I want. Yeah, no, she gets a look in her eye of like, like almost like the Misty look, you know, like when Misty, Mm -hmm. when she like called Misty and Misty was just like, oh, hey, who is this? Like, I don't know. I think they both have these like crazy pieces to themselves and Nat's kind of comes out in a more violent way where she's like, oh, here's a potential where I could kick a guy's ass. I'm in. Mm -hmm. These two are definitely weird funhouse mirrors of each other in a lot of ways. Um, Obviously, I think that's intentional. They're paired so often in the present and i'm i don't know i'm curious to see more from 1996 of their interactions and what did that look like because they haven't really interacted one-on-one that we've seen so far in 1996 yeah it's it's funny because like that it's like two ways of being an outcast like it's not it's different shades of being an outcast, not belonging to the group, um, and just to see them interact like in modern day. I've I've been telling Amanda that I feel like I fall somewhere on the spectrum between Misty and Natalie personality wise. Mm. Like I present as a Natalie, but mentally I'm probably a Misty, <laughs> wouldn't you say, Amanda? Unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I uh I relate to that way more than I than I want to and Amanda I'm curious is there is there a continuum that you feel yourself on 
Um, I'm probably more along like a, a Shauna, maybe maybe a little bit of, of Misty. I think I think I have a little bit of that craziness in me. Um, mm-hmm. but I I also like you're like a Shauna Van. You're like somewhere on the Shauna mm-hmm. Van spectrum. Yeah, I think. that that would probably be accurate as well. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't put you on Thaisa, but like no. <laughs> I'm not that tough. I think Van, because like Van's funny. <laughs> Van's funny, but like Shauna is like, yeah, more of your, yeah, I think that's the spectrum for you. Yeah, I have that, I have that awkwardness that Shauna has. Like, I relate to that real hard. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely feel like my, the person I identify with most strongly is Thaisa, just because I'm very like, we're doing a thing and I don't care what anybody else says. <laughs> but definitely just uh, like when we see Misty when she's in middle school, it was like a dagger in my heart i was like oh my god <laughs> oh yeah that whole uh you do anal mm-hmm. like phone call well yeah, no, was... you know what nobody was bullying me in that way but just kind of like something about you know her quoting play-doh yeah to people and like expecting that to somehow be a mic drop <laughs> yeah and it's like oh my god you're so weird like yeah that's yeah that's what they do like you there was no response that like a dominant uh female in the social dynamic could have that like th- they would just cut you down every time yeah somebody once told me they didn't want to play with me because i used too big of words and i think it took me <laughs> right back there emotionally mm. yeah yeah and i think you know when we look at this dichotomy between misty and nat like nat is intentionally not fitting in you know she's sort of rejecting yeah you know society is kind of saying too much um, but, you know, she's rejecting the norm intentionally versus Misty, who's trying so hard to be normal that she, like, goes all the way back through the looking glass to being super fucking weird. Yep. Thaisa brings the paint can into the dining room and and she and Simone confront Sammy about it. He insists he did not do it. He says the bad one did it. The lady in the tree. Thaisa's like, we know there's no lady in the tree. Why are you lying to us? He's like, I'm not lying. He knocks all of his candy off the table and Simone runs after him because she does in fact care about parenting. Taisa just looks really pissed. Yeah. Well, she thinks he's lying and she can't accept that. Mm -hmm. You know, she doesn't care that that's her son and he's going through something that probably needs a parent. Well, and like that knocking off the table motion that he does, like, is he a haunted marionette? Like he just doesn't have human motions sometimes as child actor. Like no, no offense, dude, if you're listening. Yeah. He's, he's very <laughs> uncanny Valley. Oh God, please. I hope, yeah. please don't listen to podcasts about yourself. Child actor. Your, yeah. <laughs> your performance is great. And we're very upset by it. I'm sure your mother's making you do it. No, he does a good job. He does a good job of being creepy. He creeps me out. Mm-hmm. That's what yeah. he's supposed to do. That's true. Uh, Nat is siphoning gas out of a car into a cup. And Misty's very concerned. She's like, most restaurants won't let you bring in outside food and drink. <laughs> that is exactly what I would say. And Nat's like, oh, should I should I bring the rifle instead? <laughs> and they get in there. And it's it looks like it's some sort of like Asian restaurant. I couldn't quite clock what was going on in there. A lot of red lights. <laughs> A lot of red lights, a lot of bamboo, some fans and uh, Chinese lanterns. And they greet this guy who says he's Stallion 99. He thinks Nat is African gray. Um, Just a note here. Caligula, the parrot, is an African gray. Yeah. So we get a lot of Caligula this episode. Yeah. He, when he finds out that Misty is actually African gray, he's like, oh, I didn't authorize anyone else to come to the meet. And he's like, I want in on this operation. And he tries to extort money from them. But Misty immediately pours the gas on his lap and Nat gets out her lighter and says that she will light his dick on fire if he doesn't cooperate. So he just hands it over. He's like, you two are crazy. And then they get up and leave. And Nat's like, oh, you should invite that guy out. 
Uh, you have a lot in common. And honestly, I thought the same thing. I'm like, yeah, why shouldn't you date somebody from the citizen detective community? Oh, for sure. That's her dating pool. You need to branch out, Misty. Come on. Mm-hmm. Like, no awkward, like, balding mustache men who make lies about their, like, jobs the next day having to be up early. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because she would, I mean, she would do the same thing. If if she had, if she was in his place, she would have asked to get in on it, too. Oh, yeah. Like, that's 100% her type. And I also want to say Natalie did enjoy, I mean, usually when people siphon gasoline, it's like a whole dramatic, they're like coughing and choking, and she just did it and moved on. And I was like, she's been waiting to do this. Yeah. <laughs> Back in 1996, I was so excited. Air horn noise, gayness confirmed. <laughs> we got some queer babies. We knew it, we knew it was coming. Yeah, <laughs> that was the first time they made out in the show. Yeah, uh, they they seem like they've made out before. This does oh, not yeah, feel no. like a first kiss. For sure. Yeah, because they were like, "Thank God, we finally lost them." And then, like thirty seconds later, they didn't. And I was like, "Yeah, you all have like tons of woods. Like this is a, a playground." Yeah, you gotta like linger right there. They're like, yeah, they were like, finally, I'm like, go farther away. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need, you don't need to be around these people. Uh, but I was so excited. I'd been kind of waiting for this. And it sounds like you two were also, there's been a oh, lot yeah. of, a lot of meaningful glances between Van and Taisa. Mm-hmm. So they are interrupted by a scream. Mari says something crawled down her shirt when she was standing under the trap door. Taisa's like, oh, it must've been the ghost. And everybody's like, don't joke about it. And Jackie's like, oh, I know how I contribute. Let's have a seance. Worst idea ever. Like, why? Yeah, you know what? People love a seance uh, when they're trying to survive. They're trying to survive in the woods. They found a dead body up there. They don't know what's what's out around them. They don't know where the where they are. Let's do a seance. Let's make it worse. Mm-hmm. Why not? You know. <laughs> Laura Lee says the occult is no laughing matter, which reminds me of a sleepover I was at as a child where we were watching a Babysitter's Club movie and they got on a Ouija board and all of my Baptist friends were like, we're not watching this. This is <laughs> this was literally made, literally made by the devil. Couldn't even watch it? Oh, no, absolutely wow. not. Um, I would have watched it, but been like, oh, no. <laughs> See, I was the I was the girl with the Ouija board at these parties, and you two both live in New Orleans. Like this is very tame. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I didn't. We didn't grow up in New Orleans, but like I was, uh, I grew up outside of Philadelphia. But like my suburb, my school that I went to, for some reason, like all these kids died. Not like collectively, but there was like just mm-hmm. just kid after kid in my class and the class above me. We just there was like this summer. It was actually 1996, I think. It was the summer in 96. <gasps> All these kids were dying in our class. And I remember having a seance with my Ouija board to talk to these kids who had like the one kid got hit by like a tree and some windstorm in the Poconos and he forgot like his lacrosse stick. So he had to go back and get it. And then his best friend died like a couple days later upon hearing that he had died. He supposedly had an aneurysm. Oh my God. And everyone thought, oh, did he commit suicide? And he was kind of a bully, actually, that kid. So that was weird. And then like these other kids, I I was right there in the mix. I mean, like I was definitely a heavy craft fan, like the craft, Mm -hmm. very influential in my life. So we were calling the corners. We were on the Ouija board. Totally in that mood. Can I ask, um, was your seance successful? Um, I mean, define success. Like, I guess the planchette (laughs) moved. Uh, Did we get any Mm -hmm. answers on whether or not, like we probably asked like the same stupid crap that they I don't know if we asked about OJ (laughs) we probably asked about who has a crush on me and it was probably as 
true as Misty's answer. But uh, uh-huh. no, no spoilers. Let's, <laughs> let's go forward. I think the fact that they asked. Back at Raver Halloween, Shauna and Adam are dancing together. She does seem like she's finally having fun. So this is, of course, the perfect time to hallucinate Jackie staring at her disapprovingly across the room in her yellow jackets uniform, the same way she appeared uh, at that overpass in the last episode. And she stalked, she doesn't say anything one to Adam, just takes off following this vision. And when she catches up to her and she turns around, it's not Jackie, it's Callie wearing Jackie's uniform. Adam catches up with her and like Callie puts two and two together and is like, oh my God, like you're here with this guy you know you're not at book club you're here with this guy (laughs) we're at the same we're at the same drug party callie says she's on molly which she then has to clarify to shauna is ecstasy relatable (laughs) no it is because we called it x and um i don't know like then when people started talking about molly i was like what the fuck is that who the fuck is molly (laughs) shauna then takes Callie to go sober up. Adam's like, hey, I can give you a ride. And Shauna's like, no. I don't know. I don't know that I would offer a ride in that situation if I was in Adam's position. But I guess, you know, like Misty, he just wants to be helpful. No, I think he's doing too much. And that's why all the red flags go up. Yeah. It's like, you, you no, you don't give her and her daughter a ride home to their house mm-hmm. where you know she's married. Like, what are, you know, what are you thinking? It's just, and even when he showed up, he has his arm around her. It's like, you could tell that that's probably her daughter or someone she knows or whatever. And he knows she's married. He's really failing having a secret affair 101 here. Yeah. Back at Thais and Simone's, she's rearranging grandma's candy. <laughs> Simone comes in and, and Thais is like, I'm worried about Sammy and says, Simone's like, yeah, da doy. I've been trying to tell you. And Thais is like, I know I've been distracted. Simone's like, you're losing weight. You're exhausted. Sammy misses his mom from before this campaign for again state senate yeah and i'm like oh yeah because lawyers are notoriously present parents we do find i think we confirm later on that taisa yeah is a lawyer and i'm just like mm, i i feel like this is probably only exacerbating the way that she already was as a parent mm-hmm. but taisa's reaction and i caught this differently on this rewatch that i did just before we met and she's saying all this just to lose a bid for state senate and it's like she's still focusing on like the the race and she's like oh you know this would all be worth it if i was gonna win that's she's competitive like she is in this race to win it Mm -hmm. and she's so upset that she's down that that's all she's thinking about oh yeah Mm -hmm. remember the competition she's the one that crippled that one girl right Mm -hmm. with the bone sticking out of her leg before they even went so she asks simone if she should drop out which is like oh classic classic being married to somebody move (laughs) yeah where you're like can i blame you for this and simone (laughs) does not quite take the bait she's like i don't want you to have any regrets she says something about we don't get any of the time back which i think she means we don't get the time back with sammy i think thais is probably interpreting it a little bit differently she's like okay i'll make an announcement and this takes us back to 1996. Misty's bringing the coach some tea to help with the swelling. She specifies in your leg. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love Misty. <laughs> the tea tastes awful, we can see from his face. So I'm sure everything's fine and that won't come back to haunt us at any nah. point. Nope. You can trust her. Yeah. Up in the attic, Shauna and Jackie are placing candles on top of all of the carvings of the symbol in the attic, which you would never catch me engaging with those carvings i just like this whole thing is just such a bad idea 
it's like, you know, watching a haunted house movie and being like, don't go in there. Don't say you'll be right back. Yeah. <laughs> well, even just using, the, you know, they, they do kind of talk about it briefly where they're like, should we use, I think Shauna was like, should we use these candles for this? And it's like, no, you shouldn't. You're in the middle of the woods with limited access to supplies. Like this is mm-hmm. not a good use of, of potentially some of the last candles you'll ever be able to use. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, Jackie did not interpret Shauna's pep talk very well. I'm like, look, if you could go scare up some Percocet in the woods, I'm sure the coach would really appreciate that. Yeah. But what you've decided (laughs) is to mess around with supernatural forces in an unfamiliar landscape where at least one person has died. Are you suggesting that she harass a bear for Percocet? Is that, is that what's happening? (laughs) I mean, Honestly, it seems at least slightly more useful than what she's doing here. Yeah, that's true. At minimum, the bear just takes Jackie out of the equation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, win win. <laughs> Look, Shauna, Shauna is badly lying for two now. She <laughs> she doesn't need the distraction. Yeah. <laughs> Back in the woods, Natalie aims at what I think is a beaver, not a euphemism. It's a literal beaver. <laughs> Travis took the bullet out of her gun. Yeah. And then does close up magic with it. And I want to kick him right in his shins. Yeah. And then she takes the bullet back and then they run around and then they make out. And it is, again, it's like kind of cute if you forget that he's a huge dick. Even the music here is very reminiscent to me of like Degrassi, the next generation. So, you know, this is this is narratively we're supposed to think of this as kind of a good thing, even though we have heard in the present how toxic their dynamic becomes. Yeah. Yeah. But she tells him like, Hey, don't you use magic to get women. And then she still makes out with him. So what has he gathered from that? (laughs) Yeah. That's actually a really great point. And again, he pointed a loaded gun at her in the previous Ah, episode. Yeah. Well, nothing hotter than that, you know? Yeah. Ooh, somebody likes, so she would, (laughs) she would not be the dominatrix in the present day timeline. No. (laughs) Oh, uh, one thing about Travis too. Like, Natalie's hair might not be 1996 accurate, but Travis's hair, that, like, center part, that's every cute boy in 1996 had Travis's hair. Every single one of them. It's so painful for me to look at. Oh, yeah? You don't like it? It just, oh, I don't like it on him especially, but I just, you know what, I don't like a center part on anybody, I've I've realized. Mm. Uh, But it is, you're right, it's completely accurate. It was the haircut. Yeah. For the hetero boys in the 90s. Like a like a lowercase M sprouting off the top of your head. Oh, God. Yeah. And then it, make it even worse, you shave underneath. That's coming back a little bit. That's the guy. The guy I lost my virginity to had uh, dyed green hair that was completely shaved to the skin underneath. And he just like, yep. you know, pulled it back in this disgusting little ponytail. He had eyes like a fish. And I slept with him because he skateboarded and his hair was green. And that wasn't that common back then. I was also 15. So, Look, we, um, those of us who were hooking up with boys in high school worked with what we had access to and it was not great. No, it was not. (laughs) But they thought it was like that guy probably thought he was the shit, you know? Setsman. I don't think Ryan Setsman (laughs) thought he was the shit at any point. Part of what makes these scenes with teen Nat and Travis so heartbreaking to me in so many ways is like, it's just take me back to like when you're in these, you know, navigating your sexuality early on especially if you are hooking up with guys just kind of like the little sacrifices you make Mm. to make sure that they still like you it is just Mm -hmm. like oh it's it's just like oh eroding your sense of self and then we see in the present what 
you know, Nat Nat never found a way to stop doing that, apparently. Oh, wow. Don't identify with that at all, do I, Amanda? Not at all. That doesn't sound familiar <laughs> to you, even in the present. <laughs> you know, I really appreciate you both coming on this podcast and being so open and vulnerable. It really Oh, yeah. <laughs> and calling each other <laughs> <a> out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We just know each other too well. <laughs> oh, I know, for sure. We get a shot of adult Travis smiling. This is really the first time we get a good look at him. He kind of appeared in the mirror when Nat broke into his house. Again, total babe. Very into the idea of me being in a thruple with adult Travis and also Jessica Roberts, the reporter, just like mm. speaking this into the universe. Okay. Nat is looking through the file that they got from Stallion 99, specifically the autopsy photo. So we're seeing this this huge contrast between Travis's dead body and what he was like as an adult. And he, yes, he was hot, but you know, there's, there's so much warmth and genuine love in her recollection of Travis. How reliable of a narrator is she mm -hmm. when it comes to his memory? We don't know, but it is, it is really heart wrenching to see her processing this. Luckily, Misty distracts her by pointing out these smudges on the photos of the floor of the crime scene and she thinks that it's wax and she arranges them in such a way that connecting the dots creates the symbol from the wine. No! Um, how, how did this hit you too when you saw it for the first time? The first time I didn't, I don't know. I was suspicious of Misty because I was just like, you connected that too quickly. And mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know whenever there's something that obscure, like, I'm like, I don't see it, you know? Yeah. I'm terrible at spatial relationships in general. So same same. It was so fast. Also, just the sound of a Sharpie on paper makes my skin crawl. So this is a it's not a good sound. It's a tough one for Kinda me. Kind of reminds me, uh, the, the seeing that symbol in those photos reminds me of something else from the 1996 era, the magic eye paintings. Remember those? <gasps> yeah. That shit popping out. I could, I had such a hard time with those in the 90s. Now, uh, I actually inherited a couple of them uh, relatively recently and I put them in the back of my car for my kids to stare at in anger on the way to school. And <laughs> I can do it now, like that slight unfocusing, but it's just mm -hmm. like, is that, was that a magic eye? of the symbol perhaps because like mm. i just was not getting it there is definitely something suspicious about her coming to that conclusion so quickly and at this point you know again we're we've all just watched the finale i honestly don't know what to believe yeah i would have at this point i would have believed it more if, if nat figured out the symbol yeah like then i would have bought it as like okay this is something we should really look into but my first reaction was like misty what are you up to mm -hmm. but nat accepts it pretty uncritically for misty and she says, this is so wrong. Travis didn't believe in any of that shit. So we're getting kind of new information. You know, we've only so far seen Lottie looking at the symbol. We've seen the symbol popping up in places. It predated them in the woods. But we're finally seeing, and with, of course, the seance, it's like, oh, so they engaged with this symbol. And there's something going on with it in the present day. Shauna and Callie, it looks like they're in some quieter part of the presumably warehouse where this party is happening. I, I couldn't really figure out where they were. It looked like they went to a bar somewhere. And it's like... She's there's there's other people milling around. It was just very unclear to mm -hmm. me where. Callie asks Shauna if Adam is her lover, which made me be like... Bleh. Yeah. <laughs> I don't... So I don't know lover, if she, mother. she say that word. <laughs> but I mean, also, what are you going to say? You fucking that guy, mom? Um, I mean, I, I know it's Jersey, but it's not that kind of Jersey. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if I'd say lover as like a teenager. I don't know if yeah. that would be the the term I'd want to refer to my mom in this strange man. It's pretty much the worst term yeah. possible. 
I think. I, I think I would say, are you cheating on dad with that guy? Yeah. So Callie says that Adam is hot. So cool. I guess they finally found something to relate on. Yeah. Callie is skeptical. So it's interesting, like, Melanie Linsky responded to this so much that, like, Callie is skeptical that Shauna would be in a relationship with Adam. But also Callie's 18 and she's an idiot. Or she's 16 and she's an idiot. But she says, oh, you've got the whole Yellow Jackets thing going for you. And Shauna... Is like, what? What are you talking about? And Callie reminds her about the existence of the internet, which I guess Shauna never uses. I mean, well, I mean she's so busy being a stay at home mom to a teenage girl <laughs> and making all that toast all the time. Like, how would yeah. she have time to go to the computer? Like, she'd all that toast would be burned if she ever went on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Just the house is in ashes. You're like, what happened? Well, I went on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> Callie asks, and this is, this is again, this is a nice moment of actual connection. Callie asks her when she fell out of love with dad. And Shauna says there's a lot of baggage with her and Jeff. And Callie points out that that baggage is named Jackie. And they never talk about her. Shauna tells her, hey, you're actually wearing Jackie's uniform. That's not mine. It was a gift from Jackie's parents on Jackie's 40th birthday, which is kind of a horrifying detail. I don't know. I just, I, I would think it was so weird to get that gift yeah yeah there's a whole weird dynamic with her parents anyway we're gonna learn more about jackie's parents yeah. in a future episode yeah kelly continues to not be an asshole for for a few minutes and <laughs> says that it's so awful that she went through that and that she can see that shauna is so not fine and oof i really like this scene a lot i'm curious what your take abby is on this as a parent um i mean just that's awfully like self-aware and emotionally mature for callie to be like that to her mother to diablo cody yeah i think so i mean like look i have my relationship with my mother has i mean boundary is not a word in the language that we have with each other like there are no boundaries there's nothing Mm -hmm. and so like she definitely i was in the parent role many times growing up but I don't think I could have at that age divorced myself and my own feelings and self-importance from like to see your mother as like a separate whole human being with needs and Mm -hmm. desires I mean I don't know I had a traumatic childhood though Amanda is is that something you were able to do at that age no I mean I think I don't know. I, I think at that age, we're, we are so into ourselves. And my, like my parents were my parents. And they didn't have like a life before or, like fun before being parents. I still didn't. Yeah, didn't clue into that. But I don't know. I thought I thought this was genuine. I think I think also Callie's on drugs. Like she's that on, too. Yeah. you know, Molly, and she's probably a little <laughs> uh, looser with her emotions than she usually is because her mom. Oh, and less self-centered. Yeah, Shauna hasn't talked about this stuff with her, but she's looked it up on the internet um, because she's not making toast all day. So she has time to go on the internet um, and she's learned all these things that she wants to talk about with her mom, but she probably hasn't found a way to do it. But then the Molly kicked in and and there's no filter. Okay. Yeah, I agree. We can probably blame the Molly for her use of the word lover as well. (laughs) That's that's our headcanon. That is fair. That is fair. Back in 1996 at the seance, Jackie is anointing everyone with dirt and deer blood and shauna is impersonating jacques the uh dead cabin guy Hmm. Uh, she's using her knife as a pendulum since they don't have a planchette and they haven't like 
made a Ouija board on the floor, which is what I would have done and used a glass, but whatever, different strokes. Van asks the first question. She wants to know if OJ did it. Yeah. And then they're all like, ask a real question. It's like, what's realer than that? Why wouldn't you want to know right? that? You know? Also, like the, what was what was the answer? They never they just moved on. They didn't even they didn't even acknowledge the they question. They wouldn't put yeah. it to the to the asking. Like, yeah. Let Jock try to answer it. <laughs> Mari asks if Principal Brzezanski is screwing Ms. DeWine. Uh it is certain. So ooh, some high school gossip. And then Akila asks if they had gotten to nationals, would they have won? The answer is no. And everybody boos. It's going well. People's spirits actually appear to be lifted. Yeah. It's a distraction. They do feel distracted in this moment, you know? Absolutely. Like there's there's a world where Jackie kind of being the social director goes really well for her. And she can make that pitch and be like, hey, like we it can't be all survival all the time like maybe let's not always be using up the candles but yeah um it's clear that they're hungry for these distractions um as well as deer meat (laughs) (laughs) downstairs is less fun this is uh, this is you know people reading books during the dance time laura lee switches from the bible to the airplane manual while thaisa sharpens a knife and Laura says her illiterate grandpa used to fly a Cessna, which I, I think we're meant to assume that plane is a Cessna. Mm-hmm. And Coach Ben is looking a little queasy. Javi, who I noticed is wearing the ring uh, from his dad on a string around his neck. He decides he's going to go upstairs to see what's so funny. And they are <laughs> debating whether or not a classmate's boobs are fake. Van Van is really like crushing it with the crowd work here. Like I feel like if Van makes it out, I'm like, do stand up comedy, Van. Exactly. You're really funny. That's yeah, why. she did. She did the act out. You know, she she understands how it works. You do the setup punchline, and then the topper, and then you do an act out, and she nailed it. Yeah. Misty asks if the person she likes likes her back. The answer is yes. Everybody is genuinely excited for her, which is sweet. But of course, we know she meets Coach <laughs> Ben and we're like, oh, this can't end well. No. Javi asks if they're all going to die. And it's like, read the room, Javi. Like, A, you probably already know the answer. B, like, they're, you know, they're doing lighthearted questions. Um, but then the pendulum makes an infinity sign and we get this POV of something barreling toward the window uh very evil dead vibes Mm. the window blows open and lottie just starts screaming and hyperventilating and she's saying over and over it wants it wants it wants and something i noticed here is like as soon as jackie like loses control of the group she's useless she cannot get it back thaisa has run up the stairs and she even can't rein it in despite being like a perennial bummer mm-hmm. uh and being like hey cut it out you guys yeah. and lottie is saying um it is already in shauna so we've kind of in the previous episode heard lottie say it and somebody else said it i can't remember when but we're starting to hear this repeated she says it's already in shauna and we're like is this shauna's baby what is she talking about she says hungry then she starts speaking french in a different voice this is all very reminiscent of the exorcist which i think is very intentional mm-hmm. given what's coming um are either of you french speakers no you you didn't take french in high school i took spanish in high school very poorly <laughs> yeah very poorly geez never talked to me in spanish <laughs> <laughs> abby's really good with languages so yeah she's just bragging right now <laughs> i've i've taken a lot of languages i mean like i am practically fluent in spanish but uh French I dabbled in 
I took one semester of French in college and my excuse of it not catching on was it was taught by a Bulgarian woman. So I had to like learn French mm. through a Bulgarian accent. And it was like, I, I don't know what you're saying, lady. So yeah. Uh, Spanish and Swedish. Those are my two main languages. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. I took Latin because I was like, well, I'll learn Latin and then I'll learn all the romance languages did not happen. I am yeah. useless. I am a victim of the monoculture. Yeah. <laughs> but I did, I understood a little of like what she was saying in French when mm-hmm. she was like, ici, ici. Yeah. That's here, here. And yeah. she's, yeah. So it was funny. She's like, don't, don't suck at French. Right. Or what was the line? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's Vans. Uh, so she apparently is taking French because everybody's like, Lottie speaks French. Oh my God. Somebody's like, oh, Jackie, aren't you in her French class? And she's like, yeah, but I suck at French. And Vans line is, well, damn it, Jackie, try not to. Yeah. <laughs> um, Laura Lee's hearing the commotion. She's got her hand on her Bible. Upstairs, Jackie translates, it wants blood. Uh, ooh. Uh, and I think Mari says, not the word I wanted to hear. Yeah. <laughs> Which is also, Mari's, Mari is actually underrated, I think, as being a really funny character on this rewatch uh, that I'm doing as I put these notes together. I confuse her and Lottie a lot. Like, I know mm-hmm. I shouldn't, but they like, they look similar, right? Mari's the, the preppy brunette. Right. Yes. And I, I mostly tell them apart because Lottie has bangs. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. That's it. And I think she's taller, but Mari should be given mm-hmm. more. They should they should give her more time, more stage mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, yeah, her and Akila, I would like to see expanded roles for them Yeah, in season two. Laura Lee wants Coach to intervene in the seance where uh, things have gone from bad to worse because now Lottie is saying you must spill blood or else. Then Lottie bangs her head into the window and just starts wailing incoherently. Coach projectile vomits everywhere. And we kind of see him notice the the tin cup Misty gave him so he can kind of put the two and two together about, oh, well. And I mean, again, when Misty gave him the cup, I was like, oh, this isn't going to go well for you, dude. Like, I don't know what she's trying to do. But we've seen her trip him and kind of try to keep him in a position where he depends on her. And this feels like more of that. Oh, yeah. Very strong misery vibes. <laughs> yes. Wait, I think she has that on VHS. Um, (laughs) would not be surprised fatal attraction misery like i'm sure she's got all of those memorized she's like oh these weren't how to's in a pre-youtube world (laughs) laura lee uh decides okay coach is not going to be helpful she runs upstairs for a quick and dirty exorcism she says the power of christ compels you but i seriously doubt she would say that because i don't think she's catholic and i seriously doubt she's watched the exorcist um if she thinks the occult is no laughing matter like People from that background just won't engage with media that even portrays anything satanic. Harry Potter. uh, Lives in it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Be that as it may, she does do the trick. She throws the Bible at Lottie and presumably hits her where she just hit her head on the window. And Lottie snaps out of it and is like, what the fuck, Laura Lee? Mari echoes us and she's like, what the motherfuck just happened? So here we are at the end of the seance. What do we think? What do we feel? I, I loved the whole seance scene because, I, I, like I said, when I first started, I was like, Jackie, what are you thinking? And then this, and then all this crazy stuff happens. And I was just like, I, I couldn't wait for what was coming next because like, you have a lot of questions, you know? Like, what did what did Lottie mean? Like, who's actually believing her? Like, is there uh, some sort of supernatural being? Um, you know, it's just 
it, it got me. This whole scene got mm-hmm. me. Yeah, I think there's definitely some supernatural being aspect to this. I mean, there's no denying. Like, I don't know. Yeah, so she's also off her meds. So it's like, is this just someone off her meds responding to the most traumatic thing that's ever happened to, to her and to anyone that's mm-hmm. around her? Um, or is there something really out there? I don't think so. I think there's something out there. You don't just know French out of mm-hmm. nowhere and start speaking like that and... Yeah, no, she's she's tuned into something. I mean, they got all the ingredients down, the blood and the dirt. You want to scoff at it. But I mean, that's that's how you connect with that stuff. You know, it's been really funny to me kind of clocking the reaction of people to the idea that the supernatural is involved here. I see so many people on Reddit and other places being like, oh, if they go the supernatural route, I'm out. And I'm like, why? To me, the tension of how much of this is them responding to the material conditions that they're in. And also, okay, what if there is something going on? I don't know if it's just because, like, all my friends are witches or what. But I'm really fascinated always by the the collision of, like, what what is possible and what is metaphysical. And I think it makes it a more exciting show. Yeah, I don't think one precludes the other. Like, I actually, you know, have you ever read the book by Stephen King? It's a novella called The Girl Who Loved Tom Gordon. Uh, I have not. Okay, well, uh, so The Girl Who Loved Tom Gordon is about, I think she's nine years old. This girl goes hiking with her mother and her 13-year-old brother in the Adirondack woods, like in Maine, you know, in like this giant wilderness, and she gets lost. So it's actually reminiscent of this, and she's lost for, I think, a few weeks. I don't know how... I forget how long, but like in the book, she's fighting, you know, the elements. She's fighting the wilderness to survive. She's fighting to survive all like normal things, which is scary all by itself. But there's also a supernatural element where there's like this presence that she's being stalked by. And it's beyond Mm -hmm. just like an animal. It's like a supernatural presence. So you can still be threatened by all of the wilderness thing and have a supernatural element as well. It just adds to the whole package, I think. I agree. Amanda, do you agree? Do you disagree? No, I, I, I agree. Like, I'm all, you know, I'm all about having the, the supernatural component as well um, as just the survival stuff. I think it, it adds, like, there's so many layers to this show, which is one of the things I really love about it. Mm-hmm. Um, not just, like, the flash forward, the, the flashback, but, like, you know, all, even in the present, like, there's all these questions that you have about um, supernatural components, you know, like, was there a wolf out on the street? Was there not like when Ty went out there? I mean, you know, what does that mean? Like, it's just, you know, I enjoy it. And I don't think it takes away from it. And I think people on Reddit, if people love something so much, which obviously, like a lot of people that watch Yellow Jackets love Yellow Jackets, then there's people that want to hate it just because people love it so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's what yeah, I think I, a lot of Reddit is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I agree. I will say overwhelmingly the Reddit threads are really pro the show. And obviously people who are coming on this podcast, you know, it's kind of a self-selecting group. Yeah. Like we're all obviously like, give me more yellow jackets. And I think at least for me, there's an element of like, you know, this pandemic keeps dragging on. There's all of these things going on in our contemporary world that for me, it's kind of a relief in yellow jackets to be like, yeah, let's blame a ghost. Yeah. <laughs> a ghost I in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, so I am actually curious if anybody's listening and you don't like the supernatural element, uh, send us a voice memo to bloodhivepodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear your take since, again, I think most of the people coming on this podcast, um, you know, they've they've been seduced by the symbol. We're all very into it. Mm. Are you that person on Reddit? Defend yourself. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> 
And uh, if we don't like what you have to say, I have a pit to show you. <laughs> oh, no. Or we'll prove you wrong. We'll, <laughs> we'll have a seance. I'd like to introduce you to my friend, the dead cabin guy. Yeah, or, or you could light their dick on fire. There's also that option. This is really, yeah, such a great show for um, telling telling people how to be really effective feminists. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what? It's It's a great point. Because in um, Natalie's last day of rehab, the counselor's like, violence is never the answer. And I was like, that's not the thesis of the show (laughs) at all. Or Natalie's life. (laughs) No. (laughs) Outside Thais's home, she and Sammy are posing for this little clutch of journalists. Um, The foley on these journalists is a lot louder than I think a group this small would be. But, you know, that's a quibble. Well, and I was I was just laughing, too, with Amanda at that scene, because, like, I do background extra work down here sometimes. New Orleans is Hollywood South. So we get like Mm -hmm. a lot of filming. Right. And just like I laugh so hard at stupid extras and just like this, like, well-dressed group of newscasters, like everyone is there done to the nines to hear about this state senate thing like it's so stupid to me and then you just see all these people are just standing there with a microphone it's like these idiots you just know they're so dumb we have decorative ghosts are hung over the graffiti and i'm like that was a quick fix taisa has this weird moment where she's looking at her notes and kind of reading in her head in the the name phil bathurst phil changes to spill and then she begins speaking extempore not what she has written on her cards and it's this fiery speech about you know how how she's never going to back down and she goes over and she pulls down the ghosts to reveal the word and she is like you know people want me to talk about my time in the wilderness what i learned is that in life we encounter obstacles and we can only face them with the help of our community and you know new jersey deserves somebody who's gonna fight for them do they we see her eyes flash red they did this a little bit i believe in a previous episode and she sees the man with no eyes again who we've only seen in the mirror and i'm just like oh okay i guess he is a local journalist as well sure yeah that's his that's his hobby what what station is he with wght yeah (laughs) wboo what are you talking about oh my god see (laughs) it was right there it was right there And Simone's face during this is just like, this is absolutely not what we talked about. So once again, Thais is like, "Mm, what's more important, my family or this state Senate race? Yeah, I don't know why Simone's surprised. I mean, if they've been married 15 years or however long they've been married, like, I I can't, Ty was always this person, you know, it's not like the state Senate race brought this out in her. Yeah. Well, and Amanda and I have talked too about Ty's wife, like Simone, her face is just always sad. She always looks so concerned and sad. Like that's her we we think that Thaisa needs a more fun wife. Mm-hmm. I really love that actress. Uh, I also have a crush on her. <laughs> but I do wish like we never do get to see them having fun. It's just always this slog of like, oh, our son is haunted. Oh, <laughs> the state senate race. Like, you know, show them show them going hiking. They're lesbians. Let them have some fun. Yeah, I mean, even on Halloween, it's like they didn't come back. Like they came back from trick or treating. Like that should have been a moment of joy. Um, mm-hmm. But I guess he had all that bad candy. So like it, yeah. nothing, mm-hmm. nothing is happy. And and just like, we're going to be a normal family for 2.5 seconds before everything blows up on us. Mm-hmm. You know, none of the adult yellow jackets dressed up for Halloween, except for Misty, who was in a cat costume. <laughs> um, and also Christina Ricci, very noticeably pregnant in that show. Oh, yeah. We were talking um, about that too last night. Because um, what did you say? We You looked up that she had had a son recently, right, Amanda? Yeah. Well, I, you know, of course, uh, doing my due diligence 
Legends as, as a fan of Yellow Jackets. I started following everybody on Instagram. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I started following Christina Ricci and started going back through. Oh, no, and I was daughter. like, oh, my God, she just had a baby, like, last month. And then we were trying to track, like, when they filmed it and when she was pregnant and, and when she'd potentially be showing. And then when we rewatched this episode, we could totally see it. But I didn't know if we could see it because we knew that information, you know? I didn't know that information, but I caught it on the first watch of this one apparently there's other scenes where people are like oh my god she's obviously pregnant that i don't catch it's like people being pregnant and bad cgi i think i i don't register that all the time yeah. so i'm like whatever i'm like i'm just enjoying things well i think it was the finale she's wearing a sweatshirt and like she looked really pregnant uh, at that point okay. you know, like one of the episodes we watched yesterday she's wearing like a tie-dyed sweatshirt and she's coming out of work and it was like mm-hmm. oh there's the baby belly it's a lot of the um i think a lot of the elder care facility scenes mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that makes sense. They would have shot most of those scenes on the same day. Mm. Back in the attic in 1996, Laura Lee scrubbing out the attic floor, presumably to get the blood off of it. Coach Ben then confronts Misty outside about poisoning him. Misty confesses her feelings for him. And then he counters by saying that he has them too, but they need to do the right thing. Keep this a secret. She's a minor. He's her teacher. And, you know, he's got these feelings that scare him. Um, he says the other girls they would only be jealous misty is lapping it up i am curious how this hit you two on your first watch i just a crock of shit like i don't know i mean how self-deluded is misty how desperate is she for this to happen like i i just didn't buy it at all i mean i i think the answer is very (laughs) yeah I, yeah, I didn't buy it either, but I saw a lot of people online, like, taking this at face value. I'm like, have you not been watching Coach Ben's, like, mounting straight-up hatred of this child? Like, yeah. he's doing this as a means of self-preservation. And I think Misty actually got those mushrooms in the last episode they were foraging. Akila was like, oh, these mushrooms will make you puke your guts out. I think Misty went back, collected those, and was keeping them for just such an occasion. I kind of did buy into it because Misty's like, like I had this guy friend at call, and this is very terrible, terrible analogy, but I'll say it anyway. Like we were at a bar and he kept going up to different women and asking them if they wanted a drink and they said no. And I was like, dude, just give it up. And he's like, look, 99 will say no, but one's going to say yes. And I feel like that's Misty's attitude towards the coach. Like she was going to try a million approaches until one worked. And she finally... Mm -hmm. Because she didn't give up like that, you know, earlier in the episode, the boner thing happened. He flipped out on her. No, she's going to keep on. Okay, I got to regroup. I got to try something else. Let me poison him. Like maybe that'll be effective. Like, you know, in her warped mind, like something was going to work. And and when it did in her in her mind, she just couldn't believe it that she did believe it. (laughs) I think my problem with the whole scenario stems from like their relationship from the get go. Because like, okay, you can say he's an assistant coach. But clearly, you see in the flashbacks where they're still at home in New Jersey and doing soccer stuff that she's the equipment manager or whatever. I'm pretty sure that the coaches would pick an equipment manager that they had a rapport with. Like, that's their number two or number three or whatever. So I just feel like they would have more of a positive relationship. Like, I don't see... Because it's just picking an assistant. It's a free student assistant. And I just don't think that the coach would keep a student that they disliked so much as their assistant. I don't think they had a choice. I think she's the only one who wanted the job. Yeah, I was going to say no one else, like no 
other, I mean, we didn't have an equipment manager like in our high school soccer team, but um, and Misty could have made up the job for herself, but I, I just, I feel like everyone else would be like, oh, that's so uncool to, to do this. And she'd be like, I'm part of the team. Or like Javi, or not Javi, uh, Travis wouldn't have done it. Like that just seems like something like a do, like some nerdy boy would want to do. I just feel, and we don't have the background for it, but I, I'm certain Misty inserted herself into that situation. Yeah, I, I agree. I have no experience with uh, mm-hmm. high school athletics. Like I was not into that at all. So I don't know. You're too busy being goth and sad. Yes. Yeah. Well, those cigarettes aren't going to smoke themselves in the TGI Fridays while I'm uh, eating nachos or whatever. Oh, you, me, same. (laughs) (laughs) So all the girls except Lottie are up talking about the ghost. Lottie has passed out. She's had kind of a big night. I'm a little skeptical that she would immediately go to sleep and stay asleep when they're all talking. But whatever. Again, the show can do no wrong. Thaisa is trying to downplay everything. She's like, Lottie's been acting weird for weeks. I'm going to prove there's no ghost. There's no danger. I'm going to go sleep upstairs in the attic. No one, not even her confirmed girlfriend, Van, will go with her. I'm like, this is a great opportunity for you guys to make out and cuddle. But Van is too creeped out. Mm. I would not want to go because it is cold up there. Like, there's no fireplace. And however much the heat is rising, it's not going to make that much of a difference in this attic. But, uh, okay, you know what? You do you, Thaisa. I really thought Van should have gone with her. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. Like that they should, I don't know. It's just was like, you should have her back. Like, yeah, it's cold, but suck it up for a night. Cuddle together, you know? Yeah. It was a missed opportunity. You're saying you don't get to be alone. You go in this attic by yourself. No one else was going to, you know. Shauna wouldn't have come up if Van was up there. Yeah. That's true. But like Van is getting, I, I bought Van not going up because Van's getting more and more superstitious and more believing in the occult supernatural mm. thing going on. Like She's definitely buying into it already at this point. Yeah more than Thaisa mm-hmm. but also I think it's interesting to consider because like we see confirmation in a future episode that like Thaisa is the one who really wants to keep this relationship between them under wraps and Van is a little bit more laissez-faire about it <laughs> laissez-faire um, <laughs> but yes laissez-faire <laughs> that is the only French that I have Laura Lee is praying again and Shauna says that she and Jackie should go upstairs and she's like, if we hadn't had the seance, Jackie's like, no way. What happened had nothing to do with our seance. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> I mean, come on. Regardless of whether you think anything actually happened, like none of it would have happened had you not all been up in the attic at that yeah. point. Um, a spirit would have just blown in and blown right through the house, you know? <laughs> but in 2021, this is this to me is like the er yellow jacket scene where Callie comes down after her night of impersonating jackie shauna got her some pedialyte uh, so she presumably used the internet at least one time to find out what you should do after you hmm. uh, do ecstasy yeah. <laughs> and callie then boy she really thinks she's got the trump card here she tries to blackmail shauna into having no curfew and unlimited uber rides into the city in order to keep adam a secret from her dad <laughs> Shauna asks if she knows what mutually assured destruction is. And Callie very smugly says, I basically invented it. Yeah. And Shauna shuts her down by explaining how expensive a divorce is and how lonely Jeff will be in his sad little apartment on the weekends that he has custody of Callie. And she's like, just when you think he's starting to do better, he's going to ask you for dating advice, which I don't doubt you'll be able to give him because most of those girls will be about your age. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So and Shauna doesn't even give her a chance to process this. She calls Jeff and she's like, Callie has something to say to you. And she just is like, oh, I snuck into the city and got high and mom had to pick me up. And 
Jeff's attempts at parenting are so hilarious. He just like he has no clue how to respond in this moment. Yeah, she really is a bitch. <laughs> he doesn't do oh oh you shouldn't do that again. Oh, you're bad. Just be careful next time. Like he's that guy and it's like, you know, it's it's kind of frustrating cuz he he probably wants to be and they don't show it as much, but he was the cool guy in school, so he probably wants mm-hmm. to be the cool parent. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. When we hear a little bit of that dynamic earlier when Shauna's like, you let Callie do whatever she wants. So, you know, that's, you know, that's their dynamic within that relationship. He says something about, oh, you're lucky your mom was there to bail you out. And Callie just like storms out. And (laughs) Jeff is like, you know what? She is getting a real attitude. And Shauna's just like, yeah. So, you know, I think Shauna's better at lies of omission Mm. than she is at lies where she has to generate a fiction, which is hilarious since we find out later she wanted to go to college to be a writer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, oh, do you know what that is? Back in 1996, Shauna finally decides I'm going upstairs with Thaisa. We hold on Jackie's face for a while, so I guess she's upset. She doesn't look that upset to me, but I guess we're supposed to think that. Well, because she because Shauna chose somebody else over her, yeah. so there's mm-hmm. this maybe a disappointment or like a noticing of Shauna pulling away from her, mm-hmm. which she should have when she suggested the seance and like Shauna did not like full throatedly support. She's like, yeah, okay. Why not? This is not really what I meant. But Thaisa is surprised that she comes up and she seems, you know, I mean, I guess she seems kind of happy to have the company. And then they kind of lay there for a second. She asks how far along Shauna is uh, because she has now put the pieces together. And Shauna asks her not to tell anyone. And Thaisa's like, "Uh, okay, but, you know, one way or the other, people are going to figure it out if we're here long enough. She said one way or another, it's going to come out, which is even worse. uh, (laughs) Yeah. uh, don't say that she's not wrong she's not wrong no she's not wrong it is viscerally accurate that is why it is effective like that phrase and the sharpie write that phrase in sharpie and that's your hell right there in 2021 shauna uses the internet for the second time ever to google herself Hmm. and these results are a treasure trove we've got pics of shauna you know both uh sophie nelis the actress who plays her as a teen and then looks like some early pics of melanie Linsky. no amanda and i were saying there's like some pictures in there that look like that because i think they did a pretty good job casting like the adult and teen actors to look similar to each other in most cases, or like at least have a similar vibe. Like Natalie, you know, the young Natalie might not look like a clone of Juliet Lewis, but she sounds a hell of a like her and is really mm-hmm. good at delivering like that. I think the casting for Shauna, while both actresses are amazing, like they don't look anything alike. But there was this, like the nose is just so different. And maybe it's because young Shauna looks like a close friend of mine from that time period, Dr. Mm -hmm. Rachel Blumberg. She's a doctor right now. (laughs) (laughs) Not in the 90s. What's up, Rachel? But uh, yeah, every time I see her, I'm like, there's Blumberg. Where am I? You know? And like, I think that one of those photos that she's Googling must have been some sort of like a morphing, like anamorphs type, like... (laughs) In between of the two actresses, because it looks like neither one of them. Like, if you go Mm -hmm. back to those photos and look at the one that's, like, two in on the bottom row. She has, like, short hair. Yeah, short hair and just some bizarre nose that looks like neither one of their noses. My mother's obsessed with noses. She and my grandmother got nose jobs, but we were too poor for me to have one. (laughs) I agree that young Shauna doesn't look exactly like Melanie Linsky, but there's something in their, their attitude and like a softness in their faces 
um, and like a watchfulness that works for me. What interests me the most about this Google search is not actually the photos. It's the fake articles about the Yellow Jackets. Mm. There is a New York Times article called Girls Interrupted, which is exactly what the New York Times would call yes. <laughs> this article. I, I'm just putting this out there. If that's a job um, for TV shows, writing fake shit like that, I would love to do that job. Honestly, <laughs> would love to do that much more than actually writing a show. And then there's another article that says the families of Lottie Matthews and Laura Lee eventually filed wrongful death suits so the assumption is that they don't make it out alive this is information like you have to like freeze frame and like zoom in like you're on csi mm -hmm. taisa arrives at nat's hotel room and is very put out for being there she makes sure nat knows her phone has been ringing off the hook uh ever since her press conference and is like get to the point why am i here nat shows her what misty saw on the floor of the barn where they found travis's body and then almost simultaneously they get a text with the symbol asking for 50k in cash the way that symbol is drawn is so funny yeah it's so stupid <laughs> and it's like don't tell your teammates i will know and um Tysa calls Shauna and finds out she already knows that Travis is dead. And she's like, how? And she's like, Missy called you. That conniving poodle-haired little fucking freak. <laughs> she's so hurt by that. <laughs> and Misty is watching them on a camera hidden in the base of the diffuser that she gave Nat earlier. Which, again, anything that Misty gives to anybody. So, like, in this episode, it's like, this is the fifth episode. I'm like, I'm like hey, Nat, don't trust that owl. Yeah, no That's shit. not something... That you should be fucking with. And um, so she's watching on an iPad. We do see Caligula. And he is a majestic mm. bird if you're into that kind of thing, which I'm not. I don't know. This is, to me, the mystery starts to really, like, open up. Because it's like, okay, we've got these postcards that people have gotten. There's these texts blackmailing uh, at least Thaisa and Nat. It's just, it's it, you know, it's all coming together. All the threads are starting to come together here. Um, so and I'm I'm curious if either of you were you suspicious of the the owl diffuser when Misty brought it in? Oh, absolutely! Like, what is just an owl diffuser with like no? Fr I knew that was a camera the second that she gave mm -hmm. it to her. There's nothing yeah. else that could have been. And she also like overexplained it, you know, and like kind of oversold it a little bit because Misty doesn't mm -hmm. take social cues. Yeah, I think we do have the skills required to survive in the present day. Maybe not in the woods. Yeah. Uh, between the three of us <laughs> and then um what do you what do you make of the text demanding fifty thousand dollars just silly like i just i thought that the characters like the way that he wrote it out that was just so funny but like the mm -hmm. text it just is one of those things where it's like bam 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 it's all happening right now you know yeah i just i don't know i mean i was suspicious in the moment because it was very convenient that ty happened to like just like the timing of it yeah really threw mm -hmm. me off because i'm like is somebody like is misty planning this like what's going on we're like you know nat called ty she shows up there and then immediately they both get the same text mm -hmm. i was like the, the timing just that's what got me something i really like about this show is that it will give us a little bit of an answer like you know kind of callie being like oh you know this guy probably googled you kind of giving us some information there and then whatever kind of little little bit that they give us to keep us hooked then they just like hit us with something else and the mysteries just keep building but there are enough payoffs along the way where I'm like, okay, like I still feel smart and like I'm able to like kind of clock things. Mm -hmm. Well, you said you mentioned something that I didn't say anything about, but 
when you zoom in on that article, you said that Lottie's parents did a wrongful death suit? Lottie's parents and Laura Lee's parents. Okay. So, I mean, I guess we can't talk about spoilers, but that's weird that Lottie's parents would have done it, knowing what we know, Mm -hmm. you know? Well, also Laura Lee's parents should be religious, right? Well, yeah, but they would yes. they would file it. They would want. They money. would definitely file. <laughs> well, she's yeah. dead. I know, but you know, spoiler. Like, yeah, I mean, it's really, uh, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty straightforward interpretation of the parable of the talents. They're like, well, God dealt us this tragedy, so it's time for us to make money off of yeah. it. Yeah, um, that's what God would have wanted, right? I guess yeah. that's yeah. I mean, you know, if they weren't prosperity gospel before, they are now. Yeah. Before. We end this seance. We talked a little bit about this earlier, but who are you two shipping? What relationships are you the most interested in? Oh, Misty and Caligula, no doubt. (laughs) (laughs) No, I love Travis and Natalie. Like I'm rooting for them Mm -hmm. real hard just because I feel so Natalie myself. Mm -hmm. But uh, also... I wonder a lot about whether or not their dynamic in the present was actually as toxic as everybody's saying it is. I mean, I guess that'll remain to be seen. Oh, I um, see seeds of how it probably was as adults yeah. in their childhood uh, relationship. And, you know, uh, it's a little bit of a dirty mirror there, but uh, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, but I also am, I'm really rooting in present times. I just want Natalie to find love. I hope her and Kevin mm-hmm. work out somehow. You know, I don't know that they will, but it would be nice. Like, I hope. I know that was like a shitty thing for him to be like, oh, well, I looked that up for you. Can we go on a date? But Oh, yeah. And I mean, compared to Travis, he seems like a really stand up guy. Yeah. But on the other hand, a cab. So I don't know. Exactly. We really, <laughs> yeah, we really, we really struggle with that on this podcast. Yeah. We're like, oh, this is our hero. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And Amanda, how about you? Um, I, I'd say Misty and the Stallion. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, made for each other. Yeah. They really are. I hope they reconnect at some point in the future. Same. Was there a 90s nostalgia moment in this episode that you really loved? I mean, I'm still going to go back to the beginning because this is how this is how we do it is, is the jam. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked Misty's shirt. I think it's what she was wearing when she saw the boner spindle, like that honeycomb, (laughs) like that callback to, because like for me, the nineties, I mean, I was goth, but I also, uh, definitely sported that nineties does seventies that was so Mm -hmm. prevalent. Like the Brady Bunch movies, those were, and continue to be my jam a thousand percent. So like that seventies aspect, seventies style I loved. And that one, do you know the shirt I'm talking about? It's a honeycomb shirt. It's probably pointing back to Blood Hive and yeah. uh, <laughs> Yellow Jackets. But it's like that brown and mustard, like, collared yes. shirt that's mm-hmm. very 70s. That was it for me for this episode. For me, it was the the heavy feature of the Walkman. Like, I drained so many double A's as a child. Oh, and the blow on it. Like, that was... That yeah, was such. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that was such a heavy-handed wink to us millennials. Like, it was. Yeah. It was like, remember NES? Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh. Exactly. But you know what? I'm lapping it up. I love it. I don't care. Yeah, true. <laughs> I spent a lot of time doing that. So yeah, we'll restrict this particular conversation to this episode. So when we get to the end of this episode, uh, who do you feel like is Antler Queen and who is Pit Girl? We get to the end of episode five. We've had the whole seance. Let me have it. I mean, I was confused about the Antler queen 
thing because like I thought that it was misty but now I I did as well and you're definitely not alone that's a pretty common yeah interpretation until you go back and rewatch the pilot at this point I think that it's Lottie it's got to be Lottie Mm -hmm. and then pit girl I thought it was Jackie but she's blonde and like now I think pit girl must be like just after talking through this episode and everything I think Mari might be the pit girl mm-hmm. because like it looks like Lottie really who's running and it's, it's someone with long brown hair so we yeah. know it's not Shauna because she's so, alive so I'm so curious like how how deep of a red herring is that first scene you know yeah. like there's some really out there theories mm. Amanda what's your what's your take yeah I, I definitely I agree with Abby I mean I I especially after the seance scene with whatever the spirit is that Lottie's been been talking to or connecting with somehow like I definitely you know saw her as the antler queen um as far as pit girl I I I don't know I was like it could be Jackie it could be you know I, I I don't know I'm still I'm still mystified by that piece I think not having an opinion is great because I feel like we're all going to be so wrong <laughs> when we do find this shit out. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because they, they do that on purpose to us. <laughs> it's it's Coach. Coach is pit girl. He got really long <laughs> hair. That gel, oh he God. ran out of gel and it just relaxed down to his waist. <laughs> and they grafted a new leg onto him. Pretty impressive. Yeah. Well, Misty bones, can do it. She's, yeah. <laughs> she, she would figure it out. Power of love. Thank you both so much for joining me. This was a blast. Uh, Abby, let everybody know where they can find more of you after this episode. Well, I mean, I'm going to be doing more performing this year uh, all around New Orleans. Uh, You can book a tour with me, NOLA Art Walk, if you're in New Orleans and you want to learn about street art. And then also you can purchase my children's book, Kebola Nola, What's Up Nola, on Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com or Arcadia Publishing. Amanda, you're up. Yeah, uh, Amanda G. Thang, T-H-A-N-G, on all social media. Um, I And I have the New York Queer to My Heart podcast, which you can get on any podcast platform. Um, and if you're in New Orleans, uh, every Tuesday night, 8 p.m. at the Howling Wolf, you can come see me do stand-up. And $2 tacos. And $2 tacos Ooh. and $2 margaritas. Mm-hmm. I will be right there. <laughs> Thanks again. Right, thank, thank you yeah. so Thanks much. Thanks for having us. So exciting. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe, rate, and review Blood Hive wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to recommend us to your BFFs and frenemies however you can. Subscribe to Kelly Anakin's hilarious Patreon or make a one-time donation to Kelly-Anakin on Venmo to help us keep the content coming. Send a voice message to bloodhivepodcast at gmail.com for a chance to hear your Yellow Jackets hot takes on an upcoming episode. Blood Hive is a production of KA Collaborative. Our theme song is Eat Your Heart Out by Wolves. Special thanks to today's guests, the team at Cosmic Standard, and my own personal judges table. Last but not least, all praise to the Antler Queen. <laughs>